For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. That's why the Red Tops love the three-day and the five-day forecast. Scorchio, Ireland, set to bathe in 10 days of glorious weather. Perhaps you've made plans to uh, make the most of that weather. Temperatures rocking, rocketing. By the weekend, as I say, uh, down here certainly we'll be getting 25, 26, 27, maybe by Monday. But other parts of the country, I suppose up in the Midlands and what have you, it could be 28 to 30 degrees by, by the Midlands, so by the, by, by the weekend. But there's a grand stretch, they're saying. Uh, the lash of the sunscreen is what's featuring in every home and household these days. It's a week of sweltering weather's on the way. Hottest day of the week yesterday, apparently. Sorry, hottest day of the year yesterday. But the European temperatures just go absolutely uh, bammy and not in a good way. Like the examiner this morning is talking about Europe baking in 50 degree Celsius. Not yet, but that's the warning of the brutal heat waves to come uh, as then the chickens are coming home to roost as Europe braces itself for yet another brutal heat, heat wave. Uh, and again, they figure that it has all got to do with uh, with climate warming and global changes in that regard. So that's a story from the examiner this morning, whereas yesterday marked the warmest day of the year so far. Uh, and there are more hotter ones to come as we head into the weekend. But there's an interesting one that makes them male. Like why a hot summer can be a real bummer for men, they're saying. Now, this is interesting because they say as the temperatures climb, apparently, and we we gun ourselves up for ice cream and chilled pints in the beer gardens. Actually, I'd love to come back to that later on to find Cork's best beer garden. Could be across the city, the suburbs of the county. Where is the best pub beer garden, guys? Let's get texting on that and deal with that as a topic later on in 08 on 0868104106, the best beer garden. But uh, I digress for now. So back to the story. Apparently, the hot weather and the sunshine releases a hormone in men, right, that drives them crazy for food. Uh, it, apparently, it, it releases some kind of hunger hormone in men, the summer and the heat, where they crave lots more food. So the warning, of course, and there's always a warning somewhere in the lives we live these, these days, and the warning is that men need to be careful when it's very hot and sunny because they'll pile on weight. Poor men now, not allowed to go for a few pints because they'll put on weight. Poor men, not allowed to have a burger or a jumbo sausage at the barbecue in the summer because they'll put on weight. It's a tough world these days for men, isn't it? But I was chatting with somebody yesterday who said, and this is a tip, apparently in the very hot weather, drinking hot drinks lowers your body temperature. I mean, you would think that it would be the cold drinks or the ice drinks, but apparently hot tea or coffee, they were telling me. I don't know how true that is. Uh, but anyway, that's the weather-related stories for you. Unfortunately, Crosshaven is back in the news. I'll come back to it again in a few minutes' time. But the Echo's front page today talks of a, a number of assaults over the weekend, apparently. Uh, incidents down in the seaside community. One assault on a teenager on Friday night. A vicious, unprovoked attack. Front of the Echo deals with it on its front and inside pages this morning. I'll come back to it in a few minutes' time. Unfortunately, that's not the first time that we've had negative stories with regards to assaults down in Crosshaven. And it's sad, actually, because it's such a beautiful place. Um, but, you know, actually, I should have probably mentioned this when I was talking about the, the weather and the sunshine. Um, there's not an invasion of uh, ants. There's not an invasion of creepy crawlies or, or are they called weaver fish? Is that what they call them, the ones that come in during the summer? There's an invasion of motorhomes on our beaches, apparently. The poor old people. I'm going to talk to Kevin about this later on because he loves his motorhomes and his caravans. But apparently they are just literally taking over all of the beaches. And there's a story in the Echo this morning that says that, particularly Gary Lucas Beach on Sunday, motorhomes took up about 90% of the beach. There was very little, if any, parking space for cars. But what are motorhomes supposed to do? 
if they aren't provided with enough parking spaces or parking bays, to, I don't know, do they stay there all day or are the motorhomes going to be there for a few days? Do they park up for a few overnights? Um, but apparently there's a lot of anger at Cork County Council now with the amount of motorhomes that are parking overnight and taking up large parts of the beach and what have you. So more on that. You know that there's a... Um, uh, motion of no confidence in the government today. If you look at the numbers, it looks as if uh, uh, Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and uh, the Greens will survive it. I hope it's a goddamn wake-up call for them, actually, to, to cop on. Michal Martin says it's nothing more than a cynical exercise by Sinn Féin, but we'll see what will happen. Today's the last day of the current all before they go on their holidays and come back again sometime in November, I jest. Uh, but um, the Sophie Tuscan de Plantier story makes many of the papers as well. There was a suspect that was identified by Marie Farrell years and years ago where she said she saw a man wearing a dark coat. Um, uh, the Gardaí want to talk to that person who's over in France and they want to take a DNA from that individual. So they're heading to France. It's the first time the Gardaí have said uh, that this is the first time that they have another suspect apart from the self-confessed uh, suspect in the sense that uh, Ian Bailey has said that he, he knew himself to be a suspect for uh, for many years. Wrongly so, because he says he has absolutely nothing to do with the death of Sophie Toscan de Plantier. And, and at a time when we have absolutely no housing, we have a healthcare system in chaos, right? We have people leaving the country in their droves, particularly our youth. Um, we've decided, or at least the government has decided, to look to increase our defence forces spending to 1.5 billion euro. You would think that that kind of spending could be put on hold for a little while and they could take a lot of that 1.5 billion euro and perhaps think about building houses and homes for people. And then the Independent this morning says that it looks as if the Green Party have had to climb down on turf because you will be allowed if you have a portion of a bog and you cut turf to be able to sell it uh, to family and friends. And that's very vague now as to who you determine to be a friend. So turf cutters can breathe a sigh of relief. And those that like to burn turf as well, you'll still be able to sell peat to neighbours under new government proposals aimed to end what they call the simmering turf war. Uh, COVID is still in the in the news, obviously, because numbers are back up to where they were last April now. There's about 1,000 people in hospital yesterday with, the, with COVID-19 and people are being told to be wary. I think we all know of someone now again these days who's come down with it and it's a bit of an issue with people needing to be careful, particularly in the workplace and as you socialise. Because uh, the way we live now, of course, we've got an awful lot of other worries and that is to be able to pay for food or they put petrol or diesel in your car, whatever the case may be, with three and five people worried that they won't be able to pay their bills. And teachers, apparently, this is a Dublin story, but it's probably relevant across the country where the mail is saying that Dublin schools are suffering an exodus of teachers. Why? Well, soaring rental costs, rising house prices, and the cost of living in general. And they're heading off to countries where they feel they'll make more money and they'll have a much better standard of living. And delighted for Graham Norton. I didn't get to mention this yesterday. I just ran out of time, but I'm crazy about the guy. I think he's a superstar, but he got married at the weekend uh, down west and he booked out Bantry House on Saturday. And he and his partner, to, who to me seems to be a bit of a mystery. We don't know 
uh, I suppose it's none of our business really, but uh, apparently there was a, a fairly small wedding by all accounts. I think we're looking at in and around a uh, hundred people, like family members and friends, but a great old bash. And I'll tell you some more about his wedding a little later on this morning. Uh, lines are open on 086-8104-106. You can pick up the phone on 0818-104-106. And off we go. You're listening to the number one talk show in Cork, The Neil Prendeville Show. It's the best in Cork. On Red FM. I, I don't mean to be uh, negative with regards to beautiful places like Crosshaven because there's great people down there. The last time I touched on this subject, of course, I had many of the residents down there on the air saying you know, it's not the kind of publicity that Crosshaven needs, uh, but nonetheless we have it again this morning with regards to uh, locals appearing to be very annoyed and angry about yet more anti-social behaviour. And This is a number of incidents in the seaside community particularly on Friday night, a vicious and unprovoked uh, local attack. I believe, I believe it may well have been witnessed by Audrey Buckley, who's a Fianna Fáil councillor and a resident down in the area. Audrey, good morning. Good morning and thank you for having me on. And nice to <laughs> chat with you again. Unfortunately, um, not yes. on the most positive uh, circumstances, but wh- did you see what happened? <laughs> so, um, let me just, uh, there was two incidents that I have heard of. I've heard of others, but I wasn't... Um, All right, talk, take I, your I time and talk me through it, yeah. So, the first incident happened on Friday night. I got a lot of pictures, texts and calls about that. Three local young 15-year-olds were walking back from Murtaugh Beach to Church Bay. That's where they live. They were coming over Temple Greedy, you know, where the sheep are, up in the, the old um, the church. And they came upon a group of, um, I think, six to eight young fellas, too. I think they were 16, 17-year-olds. And they were stopped. They were asked for their bags. Um, and... Um, Two of the young fellas handed over their bags, um, which the the thugs proceeded to empty them. They took money from one, they took clothes and threw their phones on the ground. One of the lads didn't want to give over his bag, so they then proceeded to um, beat him up. Good God. Yeah, um, so a local man had was told what was going on. He ran up there. He took photographs of these thugs before they ran off. But, um, you know, it, it, it's just ridiculous. Um, these these local kids walking home from the beach and uh, this happened to them. Now, I, I, I know one of the parents, the parents obviously were furious, upset. They saw these thugs down at the bus, getting back on the bus to Cork. Um, unfortunately, by the time Toker guards came down, um, sure, these kids were gone. Would the guards um, have had to travel from Toker to Crosshaven? Yes. Yeah. What, do you, so make of, what do you make of that, actually? I'm very annoyed about it because, I mean, this has been happening for, God, about three years, but it's gotten really, seems to have gotten really bad this year. Why not year. Cargillion, I wonder, no? Because there's not enough, um, unfortunately, we don't have enough resources. Um, we have a perfectly good guard station in Crosshaven that we're trying to get community policing here for four months of the summer. That doesn't seem to be happening. So it's pointless calling Cargilline because they're so short-staffed. And, you know, the population of Cargilline, you've got 20,000 people and, and Cargilline are, are doing the whole area, Roberts Cove, Milan, Crosshaven. Um, so, you it's know, a massive patch, yeah. But just on that point yeah. about Crosshaven Gardens, is it open or closed, manned or not? No. So we it's have not a, open, a, is that what you said? Well, there's, it is open, but um, there was two guards there. One is a traffic police guard, and the other guy has retired. So that's it. So it's never opened for passports or anything like that. You do, you're better off going to Tokers to get anything signed or, or done. So it just it just sits there, closed. It sits there, yeah. yeah. 
Yes, exactly. And I don't understand why we can't have community policing guards down there for the three, four months of the summer. Like when we were kids, all you want to see is guards walking around a presence so that, um, you know, people aren't intimidated by these group of um, thugs that are coming and down. And the lad that got beaten up, was he badly hurt? How is he? Yeah, his face, uh, his mother sent me a photograph and his eyes were all um, swollen. I'd, I'd say he's black and blue now. Um, and this guy is a quite, he's about six foot tall. Okay? He's a big young fella. But um, they, they pummeled him, you know. Um, and uh, they took a bike from another kid. Um, they were just running, riot, laughing. I mean, for them to be down at the bus stop, the father showed me photos of this one of the thugs wearing clothes belonged to one of the kids he just stolen from. Um, you know, they just don't, they just don't care. Did they steal phones or paraphernalia? They didn't. They no. didn't take the phones because I guess they know that the phones can be traced to them. They took money and they took clothes. Yeah, and yeah. they yeah, and they are traveling by bus. They're not local. Oh, yeah. I remember that no. the last time we were doing stories like this. They're literally getting on the bus. I don't know, and they're getting on in Douglas or in the city or whatever, and they're heading to Crosshaven, looking to. They're drinking anyway, aren't they? Oh yeah, like I mean, they left the states. They left Temple Breezy in the church. I mean, it was drunk everywhere. Um, just litter, pizza boxes. I mean, it was destroyed. So that was the incident on Friday night at eight o'clock. Then on Saturday, I myself live in Church Bay, um, and so you know, I see the gangs of kids coming down. And I will tell you about ninety-five percent of them, there is no issue. They're just coming down for a nice day to go for a swim and enjoy the the area like ourselves. But um, that element, that 5% of an element, so I was in my garden on, on Saturday evening about 5 o'clock and somebody was shouting at me to, to come down, so I ran down because I heard a bit of chaos. And there um, on the uh, on the road was this 16-year-old boy, he was about 16 or 17 from Douglas, lovely young fella, um, lying on the ground, blood, everything. He thought his jaw was broken. Um, and then he proceeded to tell us while we were waiting for the guards. Now, the guards this time came from Cardaline and uh, just proceeded to tell us that um, there was four of them there. They were looking for Church Bay Beach. They asked this group of young fellas, and um, the young fellas, these thugs started, I don't know if it's the same group or, or whatever, um, started being smart. I think they kind of maybe have touched his girlfriend or something like that, and when they turned around to walk away from this, he got a bottle at the back of the head, and then they proceeded to jump on him and just, beat him up so the ambulance we had to wait for the ambulance and the ambulance took him away but as a parent I was very upset about the whole thing because I you know this is somebody's son you know coming down to the beach a lovely young fella and um, it was just terrible to see especially like we're, this is a residential area you know our own kids this is our home Is he taken he away by ambulance I mean yes. if he was bottled on the back of the head was he caught? And he was, um, I don't know, he was lying down, we couldn't move him, he, he couldn't move, he was lying on the ground. A lady ran out and put cushions from her sofa oh, under his God head. Sake. Like, I mean, it was, it was, I mean, he was bad, all his arm was, was blood and bleeding, and, you know, kids are coming up from the beach, like, and they're just looking at this boy on the ground saying, like, what, what's happening, you know? Um, so, and, you know, when we were there, uh, another gang of, um, uh, they were probably in their 20s, passed us drinking openly on the road um, and made some smart comments about this young fellow on the beach. No empathy, nothing, you know. Like, the Echo is reporting a quote from uh, the Gardaí where they're saying that uh, they have extra resources deployed to Crosshaven. Have you seen any of that? Have you witnessed any of that extra deployment? 
I really haven't. Now, I, I remember last year, remember when we had the whole incident during COVID when there was about 100 kids down in Church Bay and it was all over media and I was on the Clara Byrne show and, and all that. Then for about a week or two, they were you'd be tripping over guards. We had a lot of them. But no, we're not seeing it um, as we have. We're, look, I, I just think we just have a lack of resources. The uh, superintendent, John DC, I think he's trying to do his best we just don't have the resources. We need more community policing. We wanted to go back to the old time when the guards were, were in the Garda station. There's so many empty in, in areas around, in Seaside Village especially. We just want them back for the summer months. That's all we're asking for. Yeah. What's the attraction, though, with you know people getting... Well, we look at these people who are getting the bus down, right? And the vast majority of them, I imagine, are well-behaved. But the thug element... Yeah. Are they, what are they, like 16, 17, 18 years yeah, old? Or yeah, yeah, like that kind of age. And, and what's the attraction down. to Crosshaven with them? Because they're away from home, I guess. They're coming down to this beautiful seaside. They can go swimming and drinking because there doesn't seem to be any enforcement. What's happening right now is the guards are taking the drink away. About two weeks ago, we had, um, I guess it was all over social media, some schools in town were having a year, a, a TY or a junior start a year in Parky at Church Bay Beach. Um, hundreds of kids came from everywhere, but the guards got wind of it because they saw it on social media, but the kids just moved to Fennel's Bay. But the whole thing was the drinking. I mean, the guards, I think three, 400 bottles they had taken off them. So um, it's that whole element of freedom. And look, they've, the teenagers have had a crap two years with COVID and that. They want to enjoy oh, yeah, themselves. Yeah, we want them to enjoy themselves, but not do, bottling people or beating them up or leaving them with black and no. blue and swollen faces and, a, uh, you know, and, and, that and their, element and their is parents. For everybody, yeah. yeah, and like you know, the litter is just is, is just gone ridiculous. The glass bottles, you know, I don't know if you read recently on, on Church Bay Beach, two kids and one day ended up in CUH with stitches. Heard that this morning on the them, news, yeah. Yeah, walking on broken glass, you know, wasn't it? Well, yeah. says they're smashing their vodka bottles and the bottles of beer. I mean, that's another issue. I mean, I don't understand why the deposit return scheme is only aluminum and plastic. Why they're not also returning glass bottles. I mean, that would help us dearly. Um, if I but only people with a brain in their head and be, those that behave themselves would recycle or bring bottles back. You know, the thug element wouldn't be interested in a few pence or a few cents on a bottle. Yeah, true. Tell, so you must be on red alert now because, okay, we have a bit of a blip in the weather now. But again, from this afternoon onwards, we're back to a lot of heat and a lot of sunshine. So what's the story with the next week? You know, a lot of people are on holidays for the summer, including that thug element. There's going to be more problems, isn't there? There, there will. Well, I have emailed um, Superintendent John Dee. Now, I have been in touch with him constantly, and he keeps you know, assuring me that we have extra resources. But I will tell you, if you speak to any of the residents in the area, they're very frustrated. I keep telling them, make sure you call it in. You have to call it in, because we need extra resources. Dublin, I guess, gets the stats for all the call-ins. And if you don't call in, they'll say... So there's no need for them because there's no issues down there. But the problem is people are calling in and they're not getting anybody at the end of the line. So they're not bothering. I have to tell you, though, Audrey, I have to tell you that uh, your party leader could have up to two or three squad squad cars outside his home on a regular basis. Um, You know, and many people are wondering... Are they really yeah. needed there? Could they not be in the places like Crosshaven and other rural towns or villages? Yeah, yeah, look, and, and, and that's something that they, they have to, you know, that's above my pay grade. And um, that's something that all we want is we want safety for our kids. Like uh, the residents here, we don't let our kids down to um, Church Bay Beach on a nice day. We can't anymore. 
unless we're sitting with them, watching. And then when you're sitting there watching and you're seeing the kind of element in the drinking and the breaking of the glasses, it ruins it for okay, you. Okay, just tell me this before I let you go. Where are they getting the alcohol? Because uh, if they're getting it in the city or the suburbs, they're toting it down on the buses, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and that was another issue because, you know, when somebody was, you know, uh, when the element of the bus about two months ago, um, I had a big issue because the bus airmen are telling me that they have security and that their bus drivers can call in and security are available to them because I have a big issue with community guards actually going on the buses because I don't see, and people don't see their security. The bus airmen also need to start, I think, working with the guards and stopping it at the source. As in you're or, saying the bus errand shouldn't carry anybody with bags of, of alcohol? Well, and they should have security on the buses and their security should be checking. They know this is happening. Apparently, a, secu- a bus driver in Crosshaven at the weekend, I think there was an incident there, I had heard. I mean, there's you know hundreds of kids waiting to get on and that element, I mean, they're drunk, they're kicking bottles around the village while they're waiting for the bus. Um, you know, we've all a Cork week on, we've got Camden, we've so much positive things happening here. Well, you just referenced something that I had heard and I got a text on it, um, that the bus driver was attacked on Friday night in Crosshaven. Is there any truth to that? I have heard as well, but anytime you would ask anything, they'd say it's an ongoing ongoing investigation. So I, I, you know, I... A bus driver attacked on the bus. Yeah. Yeah. Good God. Yeah, I had heard that. So, like, and where are bus air and security that they said they have? Why are we using our community policing to go on the bus when they should be actually on the ground at the beaches and things like that, you know? Um, yeah, but none so of this I, would be needed if people just behaved themselves and cupped yeah, on. Yeah, And um, Cork County Council now have um, given uh, on-spot fine books of tickets to the Gardaí, so now the Gardaí can start doing on-spot fines. So mum and dad, well, you know, they're sitting at home thinking Mary and Johnny are having a lovely time at the beach, but now... Um, these on-spot fines will hopefully put a bit of manners on the whole thing as well. How's you know? that work? They ask for ID, take a name and address and find the parents, is it? Yeah, so okay. what happens is um, Cork County Council, the book of tickets, the guards can now give a, an on-spot fine to any age, anybody. Um, they, the book of the Cork County Council would send then that out to the address and then the I don't see much point in that though I don't see much point in that if the Gardaí aren't present or there aren't enough Gardaí to be there in the first place yeah and and, and I would agree with you it's all about community policing we need them to be starting to walk around the area and starting to find people not just taking the drink away from them we need people to to know that look you're not you know when you're coming down to Crosshaven there's going to be accountability if this behaviour is continuing. So, it's unfortunate. It is, and I wish I was talking about positive things, particularly with Cork Week on at the moment. Good luck with that. I hope it's going well. It is. It's fantastic. Thank you. All right. We'll stay in touch, and if there's any updates, do come back to me, Audrey. Thank you. Okay. Cheers for now. Fianna Fáil councillor and local resident, uh, Audrey Buckley. Des, good morning. Thank you for holding morning to you. Can you hear me, Des? Oh, hang on a second. No. I'll tell you what. Come back after the break. We'll get him after that. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Gorks Red FM. Apologies, they got Des now. Des, good morning. All right. Can you hear me now? There you are. Fair play. I can hear you, yeah. Okay. So I heard in the news this morning about, um, you know, glass on beaches and what have you and broken bottles. You wanted to pick up on that because you have a story to share regarding your son, is it? Yeah, my son is Shawnee. So basically, it... Yeah, it's not a great phone line. Just move around there, Des, see if we can improve it. No, that's a problem. Okay. Sorry, I'm, I keep losing you there, Des. Can you hear me? 
Yeah, can you hear me now? Okay, go ahead. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, so it was the end of the school year anyway. Um, he was finishing up sixth class, and I think it was the next day. And um, he went up to the beach anyway, up to Church Bay. And um, there's so much glass around, so he caught, his, he caught his foot, and we had to bring him off to A&E straight away. Sure. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, listen. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, I had to bring him off to A&E. Um, Bad cut? Uh Three stitches. Three stitches, yeah. It was absolutely, it was horrible now, I must say. Um, so then we decided, well, my, my partner Linda decided that we'd uh, go up and clean the place. Um, we didn't really know the extent until we went up there right. and the whole place is destroyed. Absolutely destroyed. Um, I'd say we we must have picked up about three three big black sacks of rubbish. Um, what did that three big, sacks big, of rubbish consist of? Oh, that was, it was anything uh, got to do with drink-related, mostly, anyway. Okay. So it would be, like, carton, um, cartons for the, um, carrying the cans of drink, or it could be anything, like, but it was mainly got to do with drink, anyway. Okay, okay. Um, So, yeah, not, so it was, was, it, was there a lot more than just beer? I mean, was there vodka, gin, rum, stuff like that? Um, just get, trying to get a flavour as to what's being drank. Yeah, there was lots of bottles anyway. Um, I couldn't, I didn't see bottles of vodka or anything like that because everything was smashed up anyway. Like you know, yeah. so it was hard to tell what was what, really, to be honest. But uh, yeah, it, it was a pretty bad sight up there now. I must say. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was talking to residents as well, and one of them was a marine biologist or something. I think she was saying, and uh, like the carry on of the people that they come when they come out. They think they can't see, we can't see them, but we can, whatever they be doing, they be, uh, you know, um, say a, a, a boy and a girl or something who would go off somewhere and mm. doing stuff. Um, and they can see that, and then they'd be seeing the fighting as well. It's absolutely mayhem. And you're, awa- you're aware mayhem. of the, you're aware of the, um, the assaults at the weekend, are you? Uh, I am. Uh, it was my son that told me. It was after that I posted up on just a bit of awareness about um, if anyone knows anyone, if they're doing and would you please respect the place? And my son told me that. Oh, do you, oh yeah, someone got stabbed up there. I was like, what? A stabbing. <laughs> uh, a stabbing. Yeah. Is that recently? Yeah, a stabbing. A, a glassing or whatever you call a it. A glassing yeah. recently, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was like a couple of days ago or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it's clearly evident that a lot of them aren't from the area. Sure, they're not. They're not local. No, no, no. Uh, no, they're not local. They come from all over the place, like all over Cork. Like, you know, and is it true then that there. families down there are not allowing their children on beaches and things like that? Well, um, yeah, well, we can't really let them go down because the place is covered in glass. Also as well, he said, uh, my son, he was like, oh, usually I leave there around half 11, 12 because all the people that come down vaping, like he was saying, that there's actually a group of people that come down, they're all smoking, they're all drinking, and they get a bit rowdy, and he has to leave. Is this at half so 11 at night? In, no, 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 this is like... 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock in the day, like, you know, around lunchtime, he has okay. to leave yeah. and come home. Because and is this, is this something he's, that's... He's in fear. Yeah, is this something that's only happening in the greater Crosshaven area? Is it happening further down west or is it happening on East Cork beaches or anything I'm, like that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It seems like everyone came out of COVID or something and decided to go absolutely mental. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, 
and then just to attack and all the beaches and stuff like that. And I don't know. No, because I never really hear of this kind of carry on. Uh, you know, no, I, I didn't either. I did. Yes. No, I, I've never heard of this before at all. This is very new to me now as well. Like so, mm. there's no off license yeah. in Crosshaven, is there? Um, there, there, there would be one in Centra, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. But they'd, they'd be asked for ID and stuff like that. Yeah. So they're clearly so, bringing know, it down with them then. Uh, yeah. No, they're they're bringing it down on the buses. I'm. I'm I'm hundred percent sure that they are like, yeah. um, and the the bosses are being targeted as well, like, um, and yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. When when you say the buses are being targeted, are you referencing that the there could well have been a bus driver attacked on Friday night in Crosshaven? Is that what you're saying? It, to be honest, it wouldn't surprise me. It really wouldn't, um, because I, I've I've seen it myself that they are when they get on the bus stops. I used to work in inside in Cork City, and when they get on the bus to go to the beach, they'd be half half drunk already, like you know, um, and causing mayhem on the bus to uh, like places like Myrtleville or. Um, I wonder if it makes more. I wonder if it makes more sense for a bus driver just to mind his or her own business and just not get involved, you know. Say that again. I'm just wondering: is it safer for a bus driver not to get involved? You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes you think that. Right? Maybe they should have like a. I'd seen it before, like a bouncer on the bus or something like that. Is that what we've come to now? Bouncers on buses. It's pretty. Exactly. That's pretty exactly. grim, isn't I, it? I know. I, I, I really. I'm open to suggestion here. I really don't know. I, what that would be one way to go, anyway. You know. All because you can't do, you can't have a guard on the bus. Um, what else would you have to do? You'll have to get security or some of some sort on the buses for the the summer term. Pretty anyway, sad, yeah, yeah. okay. Well, it be, is pretty sad. Be like. alert for the next few days, anyway. At least with the good weather, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right, absolutely. Des, take care. Cheers All for right. now. Take care. Take John care. called Bye to well. say that it's not just Crosshaven. On Friday night, there were 200 teenagers in Ballincollig. They destroyed the football pitch and left broken glass everywhere. They then went to the regional park and left loads of broken glass there as well. No one recognised them, and they think they came in from somewhere else. They certainly weren't from Ballincollig. Then we got a call from a bus errand worker who's told us that the driver on Friday went to the hospital after the incident on Friday. He had to leave his cab to try and intervene in an incident down at the back of the bus and the driver got punched. Bus drivers are out on their own. They're unable to stop people boarding or to check the bags. They're not airport security the likes of. Uh, They'd love nothing more than to stop these people, but they can't. Uh, This uh, person from Bus Aaron says that they have been liaising with Gardaí and the NTA to get security, uh, but the Gardaí themselves haven't the resources. Uh, There was a bus driver recently in Carrigaline, apparently, who had his bus attacked with a baseball bat. And he called the guardie. It took 15 minutes for a guard to arrive. And when they got there, uh, the guard wouldn't arrest the guy because he was on his own. Uh, So the guardie, as in the guard was on his own. So the guardie clearly don't have the resources themselves. Uh, The bus driver says that, uh, or should I say the bus errand worker says, the Carrigaline and Crosshaven in the summer is total bedlam on the buses. Uh, back to the phone lines we go. John, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good, pal. Listen, regarding uh, the incident in Church Bay, what can you tell us? Well, myself and my friend were in Church Bay. It started out, we were in the middle of the bay, shall we say, and, and they were messing over on the left-hand side. We didn't take much notice of that, I'll be honest. We thought it was just noisy teenagers, etc. So later on, when we were driving down from Church Bay, you could see the gang of them, like they were, you know, but they look at them, they weren't, they weren't, they were up to mischief. 
So they stood out in front of my van and get off the road. So I just basically crawled through them and then they started beating off the side of the van. Really? So that was fine. Drove away down. We, we said we we're going to get some chips. I haven't been in Crosshaven Chipper in a long, long time. So we chose for queue queuing for chips there. And then this is maybe 20, 25 minutes later, they came terrorising across the square road and screaming all sorts of carry on. And when they got this far at the chipper, there was a local young fellow and two girls sitting on the wall just next to the chipper, just two yards from us, really. And they started at him. And uh, he was going to take them on. There was probably eight of them. He was on his own. So I said, oh, this enough is enough here. I went over, caught him by the arm, pulled him away, and I said, look, they're going to kill you. He said, I'll be okay, I'll be okay. I said, you won't, they're going to kill you. They're like ants. They're going to crawl all over you. So I stood up and roared and I told him to back off and get the hell back to where they came from. They were going to take me on. Maybe they got second thoughts because I was very serious about this, right? The bus came. Uh, one fellow was there and he was still at me like he was a saucy little bugger I'll tell you I know yeah. nothing real saucy maybe 14, 15 and like I'm a big guy 50 odd years of age and um, he the bus came and they ran for the bus all the bus you know how far the bus is compared to the chipper it's maybe well, I don't know, 10, 15 yards away yeah. so you could just you know there's going to be hassle they just stormed onto the bus next thing the driver was getting out and they were all being thrown off the bus they weren't getting on board I put it that way I didn't see the driver being hit no mind you but I, I, I'm sure he was if you know what I mean couldn't see from the distance but I called the guards anyway um, there was a big hullabaloo going on with the driver the guards came down uh, caught two of them basically cuffed them the rest of them were filming this and having a great laugh off it and giving abuse to the guards like you never heard in your life okay calling and, them names uh, is it all sorts of things, like, who do you, all the shades, and we're all going to sort you all out, and all this kind of rubbish, you know, it's pure junk stuff. They're, they're watching too many videos, these guys, but it's like, it, it, it's crazy, you just wouldn't believe it, Neil. I mean, you just, <laughs> it, it's like something, you're, you're in a surreal experience of saying these 15, 16-year-olds, that's what they were, really, and they're um, they're taking on me, grown men, attacking the bus driver, and this is broad daylight in front of hundreds of people, now we're talking here. What surprised me, or what shocked me really, Neil, is there was lots of grown men around the place, and they just stood there looking, you know? That's the, they like, we've got to stop this. People can stop this. Oh, well, you were you know? brave enough to face up a gang of yeah. how many? Seven or eight. Of them yeah, but there, not right? everybody would be, you see. But sure, there was, we, in, in reality, there was 25 grown men standing looking at me. So, I mean, they were 16-year-old young fellas. I mean, we had, <laughs> we could have smacked their asses, basically, if we had to, you know. But these people stood back and let, I, I could have been killed there. But I, I, you know, I'm not saying I didn't care, but... Um, but you see, if you have a grown adult that takes on a group of, uh, of youngsters, thugs, teenagers, misbehaving and up to no good, one of them's going to film it, um... And if you wade in, if you if you waded in, right? As, I wasn't and, going to. No, but like but you're saying, all of the other fellows, who, the other men who just stood by and did nothing, but, and that's filmed. Well, that film, that film, then will be used as evidence in an assault against a minor. I sure I know that. That's why I didn't hit anybody. There was no one being hit. Well, I, I know that. And fair play to you because you did. You know, in fairness, you you went up to the lad and said, "Listen." don't go up against these guys you're going to get hammered you'll be annihilated but others would be afraid to intervene because there would be pushback against them legally that's crazy way to be thinking though I can't think like that what they should have done if we had a line of men standing there they were just going to be pushed home it's as simple as that they didn't have to do anything just be there and make the stand the sta- a standing wall of grown men is going to stop these people like this face it, without anyone touching anybody near you isn't know? it amazing that there's no respect for law and order That I mean I'm assuming that they were drunk you know so oh, drunk. oh yeah yeah full of drink yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and you think yeah. that that bus driver just wasn't having them on the bus is it 
I, you could nearly guess, like, that whatever they said to him wasn't going to be good, you know, because they basically jumped the queue. There was people, I, 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 I could, you could see there were foreign people, you know, maybe Spanish, maybe, you know, Italian, that type of tourist, young people there. And they were shocked, you know, they were just literally shoved to the side. These people just stormed on, we're, we're going in here first, whether you like it or not. I wonder what they make of it, though, because we go overseas, and I think I'm f- safe enough to say that we, we would never witness that in Sunshine Destiny. No, overseas. no, no, you don't. You don't. You, you, don't, you yeah. don't. You don't. You don't. But not only, I, I was shocked because Crossy Haven was jammed. I put it that way. There was hundreds and hundreds of people around. It was really full. Cronin's all that area. It was all full of people. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but what surprises me, and you, you won't see this abroad, there will be police abroad, Neil. You know that yourself. Yeah, all the time. Uh, yeah. The, the, the guards, I think the guards, the, the initial guards came from Cross or from Carrigal Line in, in the Jeep. No, they were, in fairness, they were strong men, the two of them. And I, I won't say they were saucy, that's not the right word, but they were they were firm and they, they, they told these guys, you know, in certain terms what they were getting, like, you know what I mean? And yeah. that's the way, that's the only way to treat these guys. Totally, from, totally agree. They were from Toker, by the way, that's if you want to know where they're from. The ones who were causing the trouble, that's where they came from. How do you know? Uh, because the guards asked him, where you come from? And this guy said, oh, I'm from Toker. Basically, the guard said, what in the name of God are you doing down here causing this trouble? shouldn't even be down here. That's what did he say to that? Oh, I can go where we want to know this kind of thing. I know, yeah, yeah. Saucy bravado, yeah, taking them on, yeah. That's exactly what was going on. And there was girls with them as well, and they were like as bad, you know, filming. Literally, these guys, one guy gave enough, it, the guard said, right, that's it, buddy, you had, you had your chance. Cuffed him into the back of the, the, the jeep. All over then, but your cameras filming inside in the back of the jeep. Like, you know, it, so that's it, the kind of crap that the guards have to put up with. You see, you know. It's oh, it's absolutely crazy. Neil. I mean, you you can see, you know. Okay, we all fight for human rights or whatever, but this is ridiculous. What's going on there? They're just totally taking the piss out of the whole uh, or we're right to do anything. You know. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. You know? all right so John. I don't know where it's going in, but it has to really. If people stood up to it, Neil, it, it will stop. You know. It's, it, yeah. Then it, you have it, a glass it, bottle in your face, or you have a knife uh, or something. It, it, I, I don't think so. I don't think. No. All no. Right. I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. Okay. It, it'll, you know. Let's see if all people right. agree or disagree with taking them on. Thank you, John. I really appreciate you coming on air. No eyes and ears for me. Thank you. Incidentally, I must remind you also about a female bus driver that was threatened to be raped on the same bus route, the 220 to Carrigaline in 2019. She was threatened to be raped by those on board. People are saying it's happening every single year and nothing's been done time after time. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 Red FM. I don't think anybody would have a problem with uh, the Gardaí if uh, somebody just wasn't backing down or copping on or just dispersing when they're told to do so. Cuff them, throw them in the back of the squad and bring them back to the Garda station, call their family. Uh, John Kearns in the Mirror this morning is a fairly heavy-hitting piece on the state of the nation and I suppose into which you could, tr- you could throw the lack of Garda resources and the lack of Gardaí. He says there's nothing is working in this great little republic of ours. I can tell you it's far from complimentary. He joins me by phone. John, good morning. Hey, good morning, Neil. How what, are you? Good. What's getting on your goat? Because you leave no stone unturned this morning, I can tell you. I, I tell you, I kind of really started last week when the Tories were getting rid of Johnson in Britain. And we had uh, government ministers and TDs tweeting about, you know, how lucky we were in Ireland that we don't have, you know, MPs in Ireland that we have in Britain. And that they're real sane, intelligent people compared to our friends across the water who are completely in the middle of a civil war at the moment, you know. But my, 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 I took really kind of exception to that because I felt when I started thinking about things, uh, our guys here, you know, in my opinion, have not been doing their job, you know. 
and they haven't been doing their job for some amount of time now, particularly Fine Gael, and especially in, in relation to the whole housing crisis. And then I think what made me probably a bit more angry and being a bit selfish here is I have two kids, and they both emigrated, you know, and they probably both emigrated partly because they wanted to see the war, but also I know both of them were kind of disillusioned at the way Ireland works, and they felt it just didn't work for them, and that if they wanted to get, you know, their own money, um, uh, to, to buy their own house that they needed to go abroad. Yeah, you say that and they don't see a future here at the moment, especially no, if you want to own your own home and no, start a family. Yeah. No, and like, in a funny kind of way to kind of do what I did because I went in the 80s and I, I left in 88 and went to London and went over there for five years and I earned the money there and came home with eight or nine grand you know, and then my dad gave me another three grand, so we had a twelve grand deposit to buy a house. Yeah, you know, yeah. which was a good good wedge at the time, and I had to go abroad to get it. So maybe that hasn't changed. You know, you have to have the twelve percent as it was then. Yeah, but I mean, they just feel that after all their education here, uh, and and you know, to just feel that there's too much tax. You know, how can you save? How can you get ahead? How can you have kids with the, with the cost of childcare? You know, I'm a daughter who lives in Switzerland, and she pays twenty percent tax there. Now I know Switzerland's is more expensive than here, but you can manage your money in a far better way. And public services are far better and all work. You know, when you take the money that we're paying per head, right, into the in terms of taxation, you know, we're paying a huge amount between universal social charge, PRSI, PAYE, uh, the property tax, you know, and we should have public services that work, but they don't work, you know. Now, admittedly, there's been a bit of improvement, certainly around here where I live in, in, in Drahad and Terman Fekin and our local bus service uh, over the last few months. I, I You know, I, I appreciate the cost of fares on the trains and the buses coming down. Uh, I went to Malahoy the other day, uh, it was 11 euro return, while before it would have been about 16 or 18 quid, which was a ridiculous price anyway, but everything just seems to be too dear, Nothing seems to work. You can't get buses and trains when you need them, you know? Mm. Rural Ireland in particular is a basket case in terms of public transport. You know, it's not efficient. It's just not there, you know? And we have the Greens and want everyone to get rid of their cars. But, yet, you know, you have to provide the public transport before, before you can do that. And, we, you know, we just seem to be around in this endless circle. So you, um, you, you were incensed. You were incensed when you were heard... What? Sorry. Um, I'm saying you were incensed when you heard Irish politicians comparing us favourably when they looked across the water to the UK as if they've got their head buried in the sand. <laughs> Correct. As, as if they were all geniuses compared to MPs in Britain, you know. And the truth is that they're no different than the MPs in Britain. You know, politicians will do anything uh, to stay in power, as you and I both know, and it doesn't matter from what party they're in, and the name of the game is power. You know, but they were comparing themselves as if they're some brilliant bunch we have here in Ireland. When in actual fact, I, I think the performances of some of our ministers have, have been pathetic. I really do. Yeah, uh, I'm just curious as to what's going to happen today with this motion of no confidence. That's just look, window dressing, no really, isn't it? That's got to be. Look, it's, it's a nonsense, really, in some respects. But you know, Sinn Fein want to do what they want to do. They're the main opposition party, and they they saw a little bit of a chink of light there that the government had lost its majority. It hasn't really. You know, because uh, McHugh, who who left, who resigned the whip because he fought against the government, he's a Finnegan man. He's not going to bring down. But the do government. you think that Sinn Fein would do a better job? Well, we don't know. You see, the whole point about all of this is, you know, I I always say about this is, well, can they do any worse? Mm, mm, <laughs> that's true. Give them a chance. <laughs> and, and at some stage, whether people like it or not, you know, uh, Sinn Fein are going to go into power. 
And then we'll see what Sinn Féin can do. And they're either going to be brilliant or they're going to be all talk and no action. You know, and if they're all talking no action, they'll be out after five years. I've already heard Mary Lou McDonald saying, oh, we need 10 years. Well, that's nonsense. You know, you're, you're getting your chance. If it's going to come, it'll come into the next election. And, you know, you've got to go in, you've got to deliver. You know, Fine Gael have been in for 10 years nearly at this stage of the game. But if you put politics aside for a second, you also say in the column that a, not, a lot of this isn't being driven by inflation and a lot of it isn't being driven by Ukraine or Russia's invasion of Ukraine. It's pure and utter greed, you say. Do you believe that? I do believe that, yeah. I absolutely believe it's pure greed. And when you look at some of the prices, uh, you know, for a cup of coffee, you know, what do you pay for a cup of coffee? I was in Seville there uh, two weeks ago, uh, in the middle of Seville, and the cup of coffee in Americana was 160. Yeah. yeah. You know, here you're paying 350, €4. Euro, yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, uh, the hotels, you know, what you're paying in Dublin for a hotel, it's just absolutely criminal at the moment what the charge of hotel rooms in Dublin. I mean, anyone who wants to go on holiday in Ireland at the moment, you know, you, you, want, you want to go on the lotto. Like, it's far cheaper to go abroad to go on holiday in Ireland. And that's a fact. You know, when you've seen our friend, the man from Kinmare, the, the great hotel man, uh, the two brothers. The Brennans. Uh, the Brennans. And he's charging, what, six or seven hundred quid a night for his hotel in Kinmare at the Park Hotel for Saturday night or four or five hundred quid during the week. I don't care what hotel it is. It's not worth that. But they're like, five-star hotels, though. They come at that cost. Bob, hang, hang on a minute, Neil. Five-star hotels were not four or five hundred quid during the week. I mean, the Park Hotel is a nice hotel and the five-star hotel is a nice hotel. Yeah. You know, when you look, when you look at families who are struggling to survive and, to, you know, like, you know, when they're struggling to make end meet uh, and they're struggling to pay their bills, they're struggling to buy their shopping, they're struggling to pay their property tax, they're struggling to put fuel into their car. And then you see people coming along and spending four or five hundred or seven hundred quid for Saturday night in a five-star hotel down in Kinmare. There's something wrong somewhere. But the, 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 one of the sad issues, you referenced going abroad in the 80s as I did as well. A lot of that was to do for work. There was no work in the country at the no, time. There was no work here then. It's, it's flipped no. now, really. Um, you know, it's about there's being... There's loads of work here now. There's, I mean, there's, there's no end of work here now. But the problem is then, it's, it's the salaries, like, you know, uh, it's okay, like, 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 say a salary of 40, 40, 50 grand in Dublin, that's not good for anyone in Dublin anymore because you just can't afford to live there. You know, because you're paying at least, if you're renting a room in a yeah. hotel, yeah. In a, sorry, in a house, you're paying at least 800 a week, if not 900. Then you've got to pay... A month, surely, that. John. Pardon? A month, surely. Sorry, a month, yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah. Neil. Yeah, a just month, for the room, yeah. 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 You know, that's what you're paying. Like, it's, it's, it's bananas. You know, and then if you're trying to get a place on your own, well, it's just impossible. Nobody can, really. Nobody can. A place on your own is at least two grand. And can you explain to me then why in the Irish Times this morning they're talking about increasing the defence force suspend to 1.5 billion? I mean, we're not at war with anybody. We're not a threat to anybody. Surely a lot of that 1.5 billion could be put into building homes and houses, don't you think? Uh, yeah, you could ar- you have that argument, but you can also look at the other side of it and say, well, the state of our, our defence forces has been neglected for years. We don't even have primary radar where we can, we can detect... Uh-huh foreign airplanes uh, and fighter jets going through our airspace at the moment we're dependent on Britain No I know I know all of that but I'm talking about in a time of crisis when we want houses built But there's plenty see the thing is there's plenty of money there this is what's sad about this it's not as if this country is short of money you know we've had record tax receipts right people have never paid as much tax so there's loads of money there 
It's about how we're managing the money, what we're spending it on, and the big thing is, are we getting value for money? You know, when you see us, like, building the National Children's Hospital, and it's going to cost over $2 billion on the site in, the, in the, you know, St. James's, which is absolutely madness from day one. That, you know, that hospital could have been built for six or seven hundred million on a green yeah. field site. Uh, the dogs in the street know that. Yeah. It's the whole waste of money, and there's no accountability. And we seem to have these, you know, civil servants who take these decisions with no accountability whatsoever. And this is what really incensed me, you know. Oh. And, and there's no accountability with the public service. Okay. Or, or the HSE. The HSE just keeps spending money, spending money, no accountability whatsoever. And the level of service within the HSE and the hospital seems to be getting worse from year to year. And just finally then, um, you talk about in the column about something needs to change drastically. Um, what, like? Uh, what, what needs to change? Is it that Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, Greens need to leg it, Sinn Féin need to go in? or That's just musical well, chairs. Think, well, well, the starting point for the current government is to deliver. You know, up your game and deliver. You know, Michal Martin, Leo Franca, get, ri- get rid of ministers who aren't performing efficiently. You know, get rid of civil servants at the top who are incapable of doing their job. You know, give us more local government. Give us more local autonomy. I live in a county here which is the worst council in Ireland, Loud County Council. Trotter, where I live, is a kip uh, because the streets aren't cleaned every day. Mm. And I love my hometown. It's a brilliant town, great people. But, you know, we don't have the streets being cleaned every day. They don't be washed. The litter bins aren't emptied every day. Mm. Right? Mm. Loud County Council can't be bothered. Right, and we're all paying property And that's tax. probably indicative of lots of places all over the well, country. There's lots of places all over the country. You know, we need, we need to have more of a say in local government. You know, we need people who are efficient in ministerial jobs. You know, you need to put people in ministerial jobs, not because they're good in the party, but because they could be actually good at their job. And if they're no good at their job, let's face it, Neil, if you were no good in the radio, you'd be fired. Mm. If I was, when I was an editor, if I was no good, I would have been fired. Mm. That's the way it was. Mm. That's mm. the way it is. That's, that's the private sector that we operate in. You know, but what seems to be happening in this country that people in the public sector can just get away with whatever they like. There's no accountability. They're spending all their money. We're paying a fortune in tax. Each and every citizen in this country compared to the rest of Europe, right? An absolute fortune we're paying. Right? And the Greens want us to spend more tax to save the planet, Right? And yet, you know, we're not getting value for money. Mm. I don't think we mind paying the tax if we can see that we're getting good, you know, we're getting good childcare, you know, we're getting good, uh, good hospitals, you know, we're getting, you know, we, you know good policing. Healthcare. Yeah. We're not going to be waiting for hours every time we bring a mum and dad to the emergency department of the hospital. You know, we're not, you know, we're not going to be going there with pains in our stomach, wondering are they going to die in their arms in the trolley. You know, these are all simple things. And but yet at the same time, we hear that in the next general election, wherever that will be, we'll have an extra 20 TDs, even yeah, more we're TDs. we have an extra 20 TDs, yep, absolutely. Because our constitution says, you know, we have to have a TD for every 20 to 30,000 people. Right? And it's insane. So we need to change the constitution. I don't think we need more TDs. We need, I think we need less of them. We need less and better. <laughs> Food for thought, John. Appreciate you taking the call as always. Have a great day. Good let's talk, yeah. let's see what other people have to say on what John is talking about this morning. Is column text 0868104106. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive.
Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Lots of texts, lots of emails, lots of stuff from uh, yesterday's program. One interesting one actually from Diana. She says, uh, I was shocked and my husband was totally appalled at a comment Neil made on his show. This is yesterday morning when he was talking about the drug situation in Ireland. Um, If memory serves, he said it was okay for teens and kids to try drugs, but not to sell or trade in drugs. How dare he? We turned off the radio when we heard that. We couldn't believe he said it. Uh, Things are bad enough without a radio presenter saying this type of thing live on air. I will have to go back to another radio station from now, which means that Diane possibly isn't listening anymore, which is unfortunate because I never, ever, ever said what you claim that I said. Not even anyway close. Um, if memory serves, he said it was okay for teens and kids to try drugs, but not to sell or trade in drugs. Those words never, ever came out of my mouth. So I don't know how you heard it or your husband claims to have heard it as well. I never said it. It is not okay for teens uh, to try drugs, never mind to sell or to trade in drugs. I referenced that years ago, the biggest, the biggest uh, issue for parenting decades ago, I think, was children experimenting with drink. Um, and to some extent, you wouldn't be as worried now about a child having a bottle of beer as you would be about a child maybe trying some of the stronger drugs that are now available online that you can buy and have it delivered to your door. That was one of the points I made, but never, ever would I suggest. I mean, it would be totally irresponsible to say that it was okay for anyone to try drugs it just isn't. like So, sorry about that, but I never said that. Uh, it's definitely true with regards to issues involving drugs in this country. I know loads of people whose sons owe money to drug dealers. There's even been suicides due to the pressure. It's very sad. Big response to yesterday's story on air. We were covering that topic of families who now have to pick up the drug debt for a son or a daughter or a family member who runs up a drug debt. And you might have heard yesterday the story of somebody who was approached at the funeral in the cemetery of a son who had taken his own lives, own life by a drug dealer who was owed a debt by the dead son. And the drug dealer said to the dad, it's now your debt and I'll be in touch. I've lost all faith in the health service for addiction in Ireland. My sister has been addicted to heroin for 15 years. She's 34 now. As a family, it has totally broken us. It's ridiculous how the system is set up. It's evident that it's not working and the problem is only getting progressively worse to worse. Just look at the state of the city as to how bad things are. They're just a couple of texts. I'll come back to more in a moment, but I just want to get back to the phone lines because it's time sensitive. But before we do, uh, we put up a Twitter poll uh, overnight. Question being about whether or not people have confidence in the current government. And thank you to everybody who voted on our Twitter poll. Um, The response to it was 70% of people who responded on Twitter do not have confidence in our current government. 30% did. So I think you'll accept that that's an overwhelming majority of people who are against uh, the current government and what they're doing and how they're running the country in spite of inflation and in spite of war in Ukraine and issues like that. 70% of people who responded said they do not have confidence in our government. How that will relate actually in Dáil Éireann is a completely different matter because today we have the Sinn Féin-led vote of no confidence. I'm joined by Donica O'Leary. Donica, good morning. Good morning. Yes. You could take some comfort actually from our Twitter poll with 70% of people agreeing with you, but that's not going to play out in the Dáil, sure it's not. 
well, look, I mean, uh, we'd obviously be delighted if that was the case, but uh, no, look, I mean, I suppose we wait to see the outcome of the divorce. The government has lost their majority, but a number of independents in the past have backed the government. I suppose the focus very much today will be on those independents and what action they take. Yeah, but I hear it's a done deal. Michal says it's just a cynical exercise that opposition always does and nothing more. Well, I don't agree with that. And there's a few things I'd say in relation to that. The first is there are already some independents now who are taking a different position than they have in the past. And there are many independents now that have taken a different view of this government than they would have perhaps a year ago or two years ago and will vote accordingly. That may not be enough to win the vote, but certainly some have changed their opinion. The other thing I'd say is that poll that you did, um, like, I mean, I'm... Look, I am not a bit surprised at this because as I speak to people on the street, they are, uh, there is growing frustration, there's growing impatience. Uh, people are really, really struggling. People are finding the cost of living crisis is making life extremely difficult for them. They're frustrated at the lack of progress, and it is lack of progress in relation to housing. They're frustrated at the situation in our healthcare with us 1.3 million people. Like, I mean, it's just an extraordinary figure. On wages, 1.3 And I believe in the UK, I was reading recently in the UK that they've cleared the backlog in the NHS. Is that right? I'm not, I'm not sure of that, but I, I know that the situation there is certainly better than it is here. A lot uh, better. Yeah, in, 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 in lots of respects, uh, better uh, in the north as well. Um, the situation we have, look, the government points to COVID, they point to COVID in relation to a lot of things, and nobody is disputing the fact that that made delivering public services difficult, and it obviously was a setback to a lot of things. But we know, and anyone you know who cares to cast their mind back to before COVID, a lot of these problems were being stored up, were were problematic then, people were on trolleys then, the waiting lists were absolutely enormous then. And some things have even gone backwards. If you actually look in terms of step-down beds uh, in the Cork area, there's less beds now than there was before the pandemic, which okay. is crazy. And if all of that is true, then why can't they see that in the doll and independents and all of the smaller parties join ranks with Sinn Féin and get Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and the Greens out? Well, that is certainly what we're trying to do, Neil. And in terms of some of those independents, like, I mean, look, um, there's not any of them in... Uh, in this particular, uh, well, in the in the city area, there are some independents in and around the county, but I would urge any independent CD to consider what the needs of your constituents are. There are some TDs they are relying on, a few TDs who have been there for, for a long time, the likes of Michael Lowry and people like that. They're relying on these to keep them empowered. Their what own majority yeah. is gone. Um, and ultimately, you know, they're trying to push this back and they're trying to say nobody wants an election. I'm not sure that's the case anymore, to be honest, Neil. I definitely pick out an appetite, obviously, in an election. And there's, you know, well, well you guys wanted, I'd say you're all visiting yeah. the cobblers to get the shoes re-leathered. We are absolutely uh, focused on trying to ensure that uh, people get the change that they voted for. In the middle uh, of a crisis, do you not think that we should wait? Well, look, I mean, in terms of, there's a number of crises going on. I suppose it depends on which crisis you mean, but if it's the cost of living crisis, if it's the crisis in our healthcare system, and if it's the crisis in housing, they've had over two years, and clearly what they're doing is is not only failing to address the problem, but it is actually, in some areas, exacerbating it. The price of housing is going up. The price of rent is just spiralling completely out of control. There are record amounts of people homeless, uh, both children, elderly people, families, that is all at record levels. Yeah, so, okay. Um, I know that. Only so, like, I mean, in terms of a why? crisis, like, I mean, can we let the crisis get worse? I but, don't believe but why? I mean, I don't mean to 
come across as sounding naive, but if it's as bad as it is, why can't we have a cross-party agreement of all of you and the doll coming together in unison, not bickering and shouting at each other like Varadkar was recently with the... Uh, but, but just coming together and saying, OK, we'll all attempt together to fix this. You see, the problem with that is that, uh, you know, sometimes when we support the government, it gets thrown back in our face. You know, we supported elements of the affordable housing bill uh, and the Minister for Housing quotes that back at us. No, but that Mary Lou MacDonald would stand up on the doll today and say, OK, listen, we're all grown adults here. We could all work together to fix it. Just park the Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil and Sinn Féin title and let's all come together and do what we were elected to do. Fix it. Yeah, well, look, I would be all for that, Neil. And, you know, in the past, there have been issues that we're willing to work with the government and they're willing to work with us. But on this, Neil, they are continuing to pursue. The problem is you can't, I suppose, change course and pursue the right actions in terms of housing crisis until you acknowledge that what you're doing at this moment in time is not working. Um, The government isn't going to change course because as far as they're concerned, at least in terms of what they say, their strategy is working. I would really dispute but that. But it can't be. I mean, if you've got a backbench group within Fianna Fáil who recently met in secret regarding their unhappiness with Hall Martin, even within Fianna Fáil, the backbenchers, and, and, and yet they still will vote because they have to vote under the whip anyway. But it seems as if within Fianna Fáil they're not even happy. I would definitely believe that and I would say that there's an awful lot of frustration at what their party is experiencing here at the minute. But... But the problem is, when you go to the top, when you go to the cabinet ministers, when you go to the minister for housing, Daryl O'Brien, when you go to the Taoiseach, as far as they're concerned, or at least in terms of what they're saying, their strategy is working. I think anyone listening and anyone who is on a housing waiting list, who is renting or who is trying to buy a house, uh, will be very clear that that is not happening. Um, like the targets for affordable housing in Cork uh, that they've laid out, like a you know, is it a few hundred or just less than about 300 over the next four or five years? Like, it's not anywhere near going to scratch. And we're losing so. teachers by the droves. Even again this morning, we're hearing of teachers just leaving. Uh, a lot of them are heading to Gulf states where they can make huge money for the next three, four, five years. They may choose to come back. I don't know. They're going to the UK, Canada, Dubai, Australia. Um, is that to do with wages and pay or what? I, I, there are elements of that and there are still some younger teachers and mm, teachers who have qualified in the last 10 or 11 years who are paid less than some of their peers and that does need to be addressed in the public sector paid talk so there are issues specific to teachers but a lot of the issues that affect them affect people right across the board. But that's what we've come to know, we can't teach our children. Yeah, no, absolutely. But what, I suppose what I'm saying is there are, that's not the only profession where because of the cost of living crisis, and it's obviously it's a crucial one and we need to address it specific to teachers, but we also need to deal with this across the board to make sure that we're not losing nurses, that we're not losing tradespeople, that we're not losing psychologists to the Gulf states and to Australia, because that is a problem right across the board. And it all fundamentally comes back to the cost of living crisis. People who are trying to start out, who are doing all the right things, they're going, uh, they're getting qualifications, they're getting education, um, and they're working as hard as they can and trying to progress themselves, trying to start a life, and they can't afford to do that. They don't see how they can afford to rent. They don't see how they can afford to bring a child into the world when they can't afford to get a mortgage and they can't afford to um, pay for the childcare costs that are there. These are all the things that are holding people back. People are being held back from making the big decisions of their lives about how they plan a family, how they begin life, all these things 
are being held back by the cost of living crisis okay. because childcare is too expensive, because housing is too expensive, and it's because it's impossible to get them. What time is that vote of no confidence at? Debate starts around four o'clock, so I think the vote will probably be around five thirty-six kind of thing. And then when it's defeated, off on your holliers. Well, I certainly won't be going off on my holliers anyway. The dial is going into recess on Thursday. I would be very much in agreement with those who say that the the recess is too long, particularly I think we, we, we should be back earlier in September. But in any event, I will continue to operate my clinics and I'll be active on the ground in Cork. I okay. will take a fortnight there at the end of August. I'm sure many people uh, take that kind of period, but I won't be off on my holidays now for the entire recess. I wonder, would you be able to afford to holiday in Ireland with the cost of prices now? Well, I tell you what, Neil, if you want, I can, I'm happy to talk to you about any issue you want. If you want to ring me any Tuesday or Wednesday morning, I'll happily come on to your show and we can discuss whatever and we can demonstrate that I'm not in my holidays and I'm happy to take whatever <laughs> airtime you want off me. Tonic O'Leary, you're entitled to your holidays. I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't go on holidays. Know, but listen, if you, if you want off me airtime any week during the, the August or July, <laughs> I'm happy to take it up. You can give me a shot. No, I want you to go on two weeks' holidays and switch off uh, like everybody else yeah. does, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I'm only saying that I, I, I'm, I'm always happy to come on to your show. All right, well, feel free. Feel Okay, and thank you for that. But feel free to hold on if you so wish. Barry O'Brien, who actually is a member of Fine Gael, I believe. Barry, good morning. Morning, Neil. Uh, How are you, the, the, uh, you clearly always would say that a Sinn Féin alternative is a worrying thought as a member of Fine Gael. But to be quite honest with you, um, surely be to God, it's time that you all stepped aside and gave somebody else a chance. Come on. Well, just on your poll yesterday, Neil, I know it was, it was 70, 30, 70 30. I wouldn't think that's an endorsement of the opposition either. I think I said that on my comments, you know, that the alternative to the government is worrying. Um, and I know Donica was saying that people want an election. I don't think people do. do you know, I think we're in a, a time where... Well, it's just an indication to me, uh, a poll that we did overnight, that if the public were voting on the no-confidence motion, the government would collapse today. Uh, I, I, to be honest, I think that's probably the case as well. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at that. Um but, you know, definitely there is elements of the government that are unpopular. There's areas of which the government that I don't agree with either. And I'm a member of one of the government parties and I don't agree with some of the stuff they're doing. Um, but that's what a coalition is. You know, it's, it's compromise. And I think, you know, it's that nobody wants an election now. I think we do need the stability. Look, we're just coming out of COVID. It's even, it's ramping up again. You've a war in Ukraine. There's a global cost of living crisis. And I... You know, I don't think we need uh, any more instability. If um, Sinn Féin did get into government and historically they're the anti-Orf party, you know, these are the relationships that we've built in government over the past 10 years, restoring them from when Tina Yeah, but maybe we don't need any more coalitions and maybe that's half the problem, that the dog has been wagged by the tail of the Greens and that we want one big strong party just to grab it by the neck and get it sorted. And that Sinn Féin won't need any of the other coalition parties. Um, after like I've, to be honest, I, I'd rather see a, an overall Fine Gael majority, to be honest with you. But um, absolutely, I think, look, that's the nature of our politics. But you've been around um, for 100 years diluted. now. You've had your chance. Uh, never by ourselves. Always in a coalition where it gets diluted. And, you know, it, you're kind of marrying two or three party manifestos then. And then no one's happy. And that's kind of what, like, that's, that obviously the Irish people are asked twice if we wanted first past the post. We don't. We voted against it twice. So people obviously want this sort of compromise politics. 
And so we okay, probably well, we do have one of the most representative democracies in Europe. We, okay, well then, well then, get get rid of the compromise of coalition. Call a general election and let Fine Gael see if they can get the vote to govern on their own. You well, know what the answer I, to that will be straight away. Anyway, when you look at the opinion polls, <laughs> actually, no, no party would be returned with a majority, and it would be the exact same again. Except I think you'd have a very heavily, like if it's uh, happening, you might have the left. Sinn Fein might. I don't think they'd get a majority. I think they'd probably be propped, propped up by even more extreme left independents as well. And I think that's not the way that the country wants to go. It doesn't want to cobble together left government. I don't see that any appetite for that. Mm-hmm. So this will be defeated today, as you were, off for the summer, come back, pick up the ball, drop it again and again and again, is it? But that, that's this... Um, Neil, you know, it is like I know Donna can say it's not a stunt, it is a stunt it's like you said, the doll is going on recess now over the next couple of weeks, they're trying to catch the headlines really before, it's like we're going into political silly season, happens every summer, it's quiet quiet news time, so they're going to use this opportunity now, probably all parties will use it to get their sound bites out um, just before the, the government and the the opposition all going to recess for a few weeks. Yeah, but they, they know they know would be defeated. And come on, I come think on, man! You need to acknowledge that we have problems here. This is a lot more than just a stunt. Oh no! Look, absolutely, I do. But I don't think it's a good use of all time when they know it's going to be defeated. Like you said, surely people like parties can come together, and that there can be solutions that everyone can kind of agree on. That obviously everyone wants the betterment for the country. So why can't we do that rather than you're going like like you said? Tonight now is going to be just sound bites. Uh, I would imagine it'll probably be vicious from both sides as well. And no one wants to see that. That's not, that's the ugly side of politics. It's not the, I suppose, the, I suppose you know, the I suppose building, consensus building that politics should be. Mm, okay, let's see. Let's see what happens a little later on today. Thank you both. Thank you, Donica. Thank you, Barry O'Brien. Text 0868 Your thoughts are welcome. We've got some more calls after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 104 106. Yeah, Red FM. In regards to that Twitter poll, 70% of those who do not have confidence in the government. Somebody's suggesting I'm dying to know the reasoning behind the 30% who voted yes that they do have confidence in the government. It was 70-30. All the Paddy says, how many of the 70% of your Twitter poll were voters or votes by shinners or shin bots? You can check with Twitter how many bots accessed your Twitter poll. Well, I imagine, I imagine a proportion of those that responded do follow political parties and may have been within uh, Sinn Féin but as to whether or not it was controlled by an, ag- an algorithm I just don't know uh, but 70-30 was the response anyway text 0868 Brian good morning morning Neil always thanks for holding appreciate it uh, this is not the time is it for what to be talking about a general election you think or uh, a vote of no confidence or what well, I mean, this war of no confidence being put down by the shillers at the moment, like, it's just publicity grabbing headlines, you know what I mean? I mean, when the budget comes out in September, October, then is the time to put down a vote of no confidence in the government. Because as far as I know, you can't put down another vote of confidence in the government for at least six months. Mm. So mm. they're looking an opportunity in September, October, when the budget comes out, to put down a vote of confidence. And you might get some of the independents to jump ship then. But I mean, at the moment, the, the, the independents that are there, there's a good few of them there that will work with the government. 
Honestly, they don't want to vote with the government. They'll have to stay, which is more or less... The and they thing. vote with the government so, I mean, because they have little sweetheart deals with the government for their own constituencies, don't they? Well, yeah, that's it. Like, I mean, if you can get a bit of a road done or whatever... That kind or, of thing, yeah. For yeah. yeah. I mean, that would keep them nice and happy, like. But, I mean, we also have a situation now, like, where the population has increased and we're going to get more TDs into the dial. We're going to have more of them there to be squabbling. I mean, rather than reducing them and get quality rather than quantity. Like in the UK, they're, wouldn't, they're, you, have, wouldn't you have cities in, in the UK, the likes of your Manchester's or Liverpool or your Birmingham's, I'm open to correction of this, where they'd only have a couple of MPs, wouldn't they? Whereas we could have somewhere yeah. in the size of Cork City, we could have 10 of them. Well, in Europe, they, 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 like France, Germany, Spain, Italy, they have one a representative for a hundred thousand people. That's, you know what I mean. In Ireland, yeah, we've got three point three in Ireland for every hundred thousand. Yeah, we have. We need. We need an MP. We need a TD for every twenty thousand people, isn't it? Well, like, like we would have ten in Cork, right? And they have five in Liverpool, and they have five in Manchester. Why don't the Shinners go away and say, right, we change the constitution? It's only a small referendum to change the constitution from 20 to 30 to 35 to 45 and we'd have less TDs. Yeah, but you're asking the Dáil then to vote themselves out of jobs. Like, they're never going to do that. Yeah, I know it's like asking Tuckies to vote for Christmas. But I mean, the politicians tell us that they want to do the best thing by the people, not by themselves. So, I mean, they should be interested in, in doing something that's good for the people. I mean, in 1937, when the constitution was wrote, 85 years ago, Ireland, you went around in a bicycle and the horse and cart. You didn't have telephones, you didn't have smartphones. Now, if you want to get in contact with your TV, you can face, you can face, uh, face them on uh, Facebook. Or, um, well, you can go to a clinic, can't you? They hold clinics all the time. Well, you do. You're, but if you're a little far away from it, you could follow them up. And you could give, because, I mean, in 1937, people didn't have phones, they didn't have cars, Ireland has moved on. And we, there was a good reason why we needed the amount of TDs back in 1937. Yeah. But yeah. now, with modern and stuff like that, we don't need that many amount. So TDs. the deal back in, in the autumn will be one TD for every 20,000 people, where in the UK, there's one MP for every 92,000 people. It's nuts. Yeah. It is, but I mean, it, it, it's crazy. Like I mean, as I said, like it's one for a hundred thousand in Britain, and it's three point three TDs for for Ireland. So it's three point three. I I mean, but you don't hear the likes of the, the the political parties talking about that. I mean, the way the media is going at the moment, it's a given that we will increase it. I haven't heard any media kind of say, why don't we look at how many TDs that we actually need. I mean, it's quality we need. It is quality. quality. You're spot on. It is quality. It is, yeah. We want class acts working hard and making a difference. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And if we had less TDs, we'd get the better people in there because the, the Gambian wouldn't get elected if there was less TDs. He gets elected if there's more TDs because he's carried in by the party or whatever, you know? I know what you're saying. So, Let me get some more know, calls I, on. I, I mean... The Shinners are just using this as a stunt, I mean, and it's crazy. They should wait until September, October, really, to use their divorce of no confidence. Cheers, Brian. Thank you for that. Much obliged. Philip, good morning. 
Good morning. How are you this I'm morning? Good. Okay. Um, you you are aware that there was some kind of uh, a secret meeting of uh, Fianna Fáil backbenchers. It might have been twenty or thirty of them who got together. Very unhappy about me, all Martin. Oh yeah, I know. I've I've seen it. I've seen the thing that they're not happy and they want him gone. And I agree with him. He needs to go. Leo needs to go. Ryan needs to go. They all need to go. They're so out of touch with the people. It's not funny. We've got homelessness. We've got an economic crisis in this country. It's it's just gone ridiculous. The price of petrol is ridiculous. They're getting you, they're getting thirty nine euros for every liter that's sold. That's right. In excess of petrol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you do realize that the issues that we're struggling with, other countries around the world are struggling with a lot of the same. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, they are. I see. I see my friends in America complaining about gas prices, the petrol prices, and I laugh at them. I say, you're paying 4 or $5 a gallon. I say, we're here in Ireland. They're paying almost $8 a gallon. They're going to buy the gallon over there, not the liter. Yeah, I know. So we're actually yeah. paying more than them, and they're moaning. Like I said, Mihal has no, he's got, he's out of touch. Oh, the people want, don't want an election. He'd want to look at the comments that come up on your page and a lot of other media pages that they want him gone. And it's you useless. think that really, that you're honing in on Mihal Martin, that he's more interested in what Europe thinks of us, is it? Yeah, he is. They're, they're all of them, Michal, Leo, the whole lot of them. All they care about is what Brussels and them think what Ireland's doing. We got, like he said, oh, we can't, we can't reduce anything because Europe won't let us. That's a load of bull. You got Spain and a lot of other countries that have reduced their stuff. I'm not so sure about that. That was one of the main reasons that the UK got out of the European Union with Brexit because they wanted to take back yeah. control from Europe. So there is yeah. an argument to be made that we are very much under the stranglehold of EU legislation. We are. We are. Definitely we are. And it, they, they just need to, to wake up and realize the people gave a mandate when they had the election, even though... Michal got in the fifth count, Leo in the sixth count, Don Lee on the 15th count, Harris on the 16th count. I don't class them as being elected. If you didn't get in the first count, and I don't care, oh, they can use their things votes, that needs to go. If you don't get in the first count where the people said, yeah, we want you in, you're not, you're not elected. I don't class them as being elected. Well, not it's a, not first past the post here, you see. It's PR, so you I can know. get other people's transfers. And that's just, unless we change that, you know. If we didn't have yeah. that, a lot of the senior politicians, a lot of them on Lee side, wouldn't be politicians. Yeah, they'd, they'd, we'd be better off if we got rid of the likes of them. Okay, all right. Thanks for that. Text 0868 Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. I, I know there's a lot of issues going on with uh, regards to society and how we live and where we live these days. But you know what? It's summertime too. And uh, the weather, okay, not a great morning, but it will improve again. And the rest of the week will be super duper and into early next week. So before I go back to texts again, I mentioned this yesterday. Schools are out. Uh, you may well be scratching your head about what to do with the kids. Uh, and to some extent, I may well have you covered because Cork County Council again this year. And they've got a super app. It's called Explore Cork App. It really is worth looking at. It's a very, very detailed app as to where you can go, what's available, uh, the beauty of our city and indeed our county. But I have some lovely family passes to give away to explore, explore the county of Cork. Um, and you can actually guide yourself along if you're planning on any of that yourself on the Explore Cork app. So I have family passes for Michael Collins' house, Spike Island. I mean, how many of you have been to Spike Island? 
For others, it might have been a few years ago. There's been huge investment down there. Uh, Camden Fort Mar, Skibbereen Heritage Centre, the Clock Tower, Gate Tower in, in Yall, the Collegiate Church down there, which is amazing. I'm also encouraging others who may have tourist attractions across our fair county to get in touch with me if you'd like to provide me with some family passes for your own tourist attraction. And I'm happy to give away family passes on your behalf. So one of the ways to do that is by emailing neil at redfm.ie. So I'm keen of you for you to share those stories with me with regards to your own holiday experiences in the past. We can talk about people's holiday experiences, uh, the good, the bad and the ugly. I mean, some of the, the, the more memorable ones would be, say, two weeks in a caravan uh, down in Garristown with the rain fallen day after day after day and trying to fill a fortnight. I'm quite sure people have stories like that or indeed in y'all. The happy ones then, the more positive ones. So text 0868104106 with your holiday memories. Text 0868104106 and we have those family passes to give away right across the week and I'm encouraging others to get in touch and to give me some more as well. A lot of texts from yesterday um, with regards to drug debts and families having to pick up the debt on behalf of a, a family member. Shocking to hear the 22-year-old that you spoke about hooked on heroin. The reality is it's a combination of factors that lead someone down this path. Parenting is somewhat to blame, but the person's environment and life events could well be one of the reasons why drugs are more attractive, like as in a form of self-medication. Uh, morning, our family went through it for years and the dealers um, would not let go these gangs. One member of my family tried to commit suicide and they kept putting the price up every week so that they could never afford to pay it. Thank you for that text. How did you resolve it in the end, I'm wondering? Uh, everyone, Everything is online now. All drugs, all prostitution uh, and dealers are way ahead of the Guardi in dealing with cybercrime. Um, yeah, because I was telling you yesterday about uh, Snapchat and Instagram. There are accounts up there where you can buy any drug, whatever, anything, including sweets and chocolate laced with drugs online here in Cork and they'll be delivered faster than a pizza. Uh, one or two more. I've had addiction issues myself, but how anyone tries heroin even once is beyond my comprehension. It is just so, so stupid. Yes, it may well be that, but people do. I had problems with my son and dealers in Cork. I gave the guards all of the dealers' details plus more. Not one person was ever approached, and they weren't small dealers. Can't come on air, and I don't wish to be named, but it is rife in Cork. There are a lot of gangs who don't mess about if money is owed. Ringing, turning up the door, the whole lot. The guards are helpless to do anything about it. Or at least they do absolutely nothing. I asked them to stop and search my lad as he was carrying around a load of drugs to sell each day. But they never once did, even when they were told by a justice youth worker the extent of what was going on and the quantities that my son had. I found over €10,000 worth of drugs in my house. My son was 13 years old. He's free from it now, thank God, and on the straight and narrow. But I gave the guards all the dealers involved from local to international level over 18 months ago and not one of them has been searched or anything. Thank you for that lengthy text. I'm glad that your son is out the other side of it. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Now, one, I'll come back to these texts and, and also a, a very bad assault up in Fitzgerald's Park last Saturday. Some more on that in a few minutes' time. But yesterday, I did mention uh, a report in the Sunday Times from Sunday. And I want to pick up on that again because I ran out of time yesterday. But I'm referencing it again because Jumbo Karen's in the mirror this morning says that the big problem in Ireland, what stinks the most here is the price rises. And they're being driven, he says, 
by greed. Now, we covered a lot of other ground with John Kearns earlier when it came to immigration and the state of our public services or indeed the state of our health service or the lack of Gardaí and housing and rental prices. But let's just stay with prices because the Sunday Times did an analysis of it. And it's fairly shocking that Irish goods sold in the UK are cheaper there than here, but they're actually made here. Valerie Flynn for the Sunday Times wrote that article, joins me by phone. Valerie, good morning. Hello, how are you doing? Good, thanks. Thanks for taking the call. And you actually looked at some products that are made here in Cork, right? Oh, that's right, yeah. So one of the products I looked at was um, chronic healthy sausages, um, which say on the pack that they are made in the Republic. Um, they are, a 16 pack of them now would be cheaper in Little and Northern Ireland than it would be in Little in Ireland. Um, and chronic healthy black pudding is also um, uh, a bit cheaper in Asda over in Britain than it is in Super value in Ireland. 16 back of chronic guilty sausages, much cheaper in Alta than it is in Super Value. Um, I also looked at Irish yogurts, which um, a lot of people might like to have there, um, also made chronic guilty, and they are significantly cheaper in Sainsbury's over in Britain than they would be in Super Value. I mean, I could blind people with comparisons and the change from sterling to euro, but what you're saying is they're cheaper, full stop. Yeah, and I, I mean, like in the case of the yogurt in particular, like a lot cheaper. You couldn't explain this with, you know, fluctuating exchange rate server. You're talking like 50% cheaper. Why? Well, um, I don't know. So, like, the, the, the supermarkets got back to me with a whole litany of things. They say, I mean, they, they all named, named transport. I, I should say, by the, way, by the way, I didn't get a comment from supervisors. I can't comment on them or don't. But, um, like, Lidl and Tesco and Aldi all get back. And they all mentioned transport is a big one. Um, which doesn't quite make sense. No sense whatsoever. Talking, but yeah, uh, they, some of them mentioned VAT, Boots mentioned VAT because they also did a comparison of like just kind of popular non-Irish products as well, like shampoo and period products, um, which are significantly cheaper in Boots in uh, Britain than in Boots in Ireland. Um, but that one didn't fully make sense to me either because like food is zero rated on VAT and, or, else, or else at the reduced rate in some cases period products are zero rated on VAT. Um, they mentioned, and they just mentioned like general higher cost, operating costs here. Like some of that probably does make sense, right? So like for example, if you look at Aldi, so Aldi here in Ireland pays their shop workers the living wage, which is twelve ninety an hour. But then I looked at the price that you know, the, the 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 hourly wage in Aldi in Britain and ten pounds ten, which works out at about eleven ninety an hour. So that is, you know, they are paying more here. Um, like one of the experts I spoke to for the piece did point out that supermarkets in Ireland, and this would particularly be the case, you know, in rural areas, supermarkets are smaller, like they're just physically smaller spaces. So there's not as much selection and there wouldn't be an economy of scale. So there are some explanations there. Is it buying power, do you think, in the UK is bigger, that they have a bigger population, they can buy in bigger bulk, do you think? Yeah, that, that that may well be the case, and then also they're not they're not having to distribute to these kind of networks, you know, large networks of small stores. They can just distribute to one you know one really big store. I mean, like supermarkets. Like I lived in the UK for a few years, and supermarkets really just are bigger. Even what would be considered just a normal size supermarket over there is what I would consider a, a really big supermarket. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, and then they've got like, these absolute hyper stores outside town. Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, it's very hard for somebody to digest, if you'll pardon the pun, that a Clonakilty yeah. sausage is dearer here than it is in the UK and it's only made down the road, um, you know, because there, are, there, like, there is no transport issue uh, across, the, across Ireland like there would be in getting the sausage to the UK. You know what I mean? That the fear is that we're being gouged or that the market yeah, is yeah, saying, yeah, let's find how much the Irish will pay. That, that, is, that, that is absolutely the fear, yeah. That, like, you know... 
that, that, that basically what the retailers are doing here is they're looking at what the other retailers are charging and they're pricing it, they're matching their prices to that. Um, you know, even like another well-known corporate product, Barry's Tea, is slightly cheaper in Morrison's supermarket in Britain than it is in any supermarket here. And that's one of the price, that's one of the products that Irish supermarkets compete, compete really heavily on. Like Tesco actually advertises the fact that it matches Aldi's price on Barry's Tea and they actually all charge the same price for your standard box of Barry's Tea, which is €3.60, but slightly cheaper in Britain. You're saying the Barry's Tea, one. another Cork product, is cheaper in yeah. the UK than in Cork? Slightly cheaper in Morrison supermarket. Now, I think it was more expensive in Tesco in Britain than in Tesco in Ireland. Um, the three, I don't think they were matching the €3.60 price here. Um, but I just, I just thought it was interesting that that's one of the ones that they compete heavily on on price here. And yet, you could still pick up a bargain in the UK and get it a little bit cheaper. You see, one of the, and, and you mentioned this in the article, the worry that people have is that there is price gouging going on. An example of that would be hotel room costs in Ireland and indeed car rentals. There can be no justifiable reason for a hotel room to be, you know, three and four and five hundred euro a night. But yet they are. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, this is the thing, like, this is kind of coming amid a general, A, cost of living crunch for people. Um, and, like, what we know about groceries is that, you know, grocery price rises particularly affect people who are vulnerable, particularly affects people on low income, particularly affects the elderly, particularly affects people who are out of work, because they're already spending so much of a higher proportion of their income on groceries. And when you do see what seems to be a certain amount of very opportunistic pricing in other sectors, you start to wonder, well, is this also what's happening in the grocery sector? But, you know, the retailers, like, what the retailer said was, like, you know, that there are two different markets. You just can't, you're not comparing the like with like. It's, it's apples and oranges, I suppose, to use a, a bad analogy. Mm. You know, they're saying, you know, we've got one operating model here, one operating model up there. We've got different buying patterns, different selling patterns. Um, uh, yeah, but historically, why, why, why does that make sense to people? I don't know. No, because historically, when people see the prices on maybe clothing that they might buy in a Cork shop uh, that also has British, um, you know, stores, th- they see that we're paying more for those as well. It could be a skirt or a shirt or a pair of shoes or what have you. You know. Now I accept yeah, that they say indeed. that could be transport. I don't know. Like, 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 yeah, that's that's certainly something that I, I like. We will have seen in the past, like particularly when you've seen, let's say you know, um, the strength of sterling, you know, dropping, right? And then you're kind of saying, oh, why, why does it always take so long for the, the, for the euro prices to come down? You know, that, like, that's what, what, that's what often happens is that it gets to the point where it's like there's, you know, a, 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 a huge gap between the two prices. It just, it just, it never seems to work out in the Irish consumer's favour. I know. Even like, like, like the, 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 the example they gave in the piece were the ones that were, I suppose, most egregious, you know, the ones that it was quite a big differential. But there was also other Irish made products that I looked at that were at best at more or less about the same price in Britain. There doesn't seem to be any advantage for Irish consumers. And yeah. that's just, and this is just on Irish made goods. You know, if you look at kind of popular, you know, non-Irish goods, like certain, you know, branded bread and, you know, condiments like Hellman's mayonnaise and, you know, Kellogg's cereal and stuff, like, this is all also working out more expensive here. It is. And can I just, because just, I, I just did a little bit of research into this, looking at those particular prices you just mentioned. For instance, um, if you compare now to January, six eggs is 15 cent dearer. If you compare now to January, a piece of cheese is 17 cent dearer. A loaf of bread is 23 cent dearer. The tea bags you mentioned have gone up since January by 24 cent. Uh, you know, butter has gone up by 37 cent. That's a huge increase since January. Is all that fuel like? 
Um, yeah, I don't, well, look, I don't know. Like, I mean, that, that does seem to be the big inflationary pressure that's there, but we're now in inflationary spirals. So, you know, um, when then that starts to be kind of demands for, you know, uh, higher increases from other, you know, like, like, you know, fuel also means that the distributors are paying more. Um, it means that the cost of manufacturing the goods is more and it all becomes part of this kind of spiral that's pushing prices up and up and up. But it is worth noting, like, that, you know, the retailers can push back. So, um, like some of your listeners might have heard um, last week, there was a row between Tesco and Heinz in Britain about, you know, Heinz wanting to push up the prices of some of their very popular goods. And Tesco saying, no, we're not, you know, we need to compete on price. We're not passing these price increases on to our customers. But interestingly, and, and they took some, some, some products off the shelves for a few days and then it got resolved. But interestingly, they didn't take the products off the shelves in Ireland. So it would make you wonder, aren't they competing as heavily on price here as they are in Britain? Maybe not. I don't know. I just see this the price of, say, another example for you, 1,600 gram chicken. Um, 70, 80 cent dearer now than it was in January. Potatoes, a two and a half kilo bag of potatoes, 55 cent dearer than it was in January. A lot of these are Irish prices. They're, yeah. they're not even imported. No, absolutely. The potatoes one now I thought was a bit mad. Like I, I compared in a couple of supermarkets operated here and in Britain and I could see that like, you know, loose British potatoes, for example, being like about half the price as loose Irish potatoes. Now, personally, I think the, Brit- the, Brit- the potatoes here are nicer than the in Britain, but still twice the price seems like a lot. Or, you know, carrots as well. Um, you know, and these are kind of staple goods. You know, these are things that people buy. Now, I mean, I don't know, maybe one of the reasons why they don't compete on heavy, as heavily on price here on potatoes as they do in Britain is that, I, I, to be honest, I wouldn't even check the price of potatoes. I just always buy them. I always put them in my trolley. Um, so maybe they're, maybe they're able to get away with this. Maybe maybe part of the problem is our consumer behaviour. I don't know. And talk to me just finally then about the profits that these um, multinationals make, your Tesco's and your Dunn's and your Super Values and your Aldi's and their Lidl's. Their yeah, profits like are healthy I, anyway, aren't they? Yeah, I like. I mean, we, you know, we don't know, obviously, coming out of what, what this financial year, what it'll look like for them. But, you know, I suppose what, you know, economists would say is that, like, groceries are like oh, what they call inelastic, right? So people will always cut back on certain things when they're when they're budget is being squeezed but people will buy food right so the the groceries should be in a pretty good position to do okay even in a cost of living crunch um and you know that you know we so we as consumers are a bit more vulnerable you know we can shop around um but we still will always have to go to the supermarket and buy food um and you know one of the interesting things as well is that like people often kind of say oh irish consumers are foolish because they just buy too many branded goods and it is true that we buy more branded goods here than british shoppers do it's in our psyche though you see we come from a generation or a few generations ago when we were told uh no those own brand ones they're just not as good well, they weren't as good, and now the own brand ranges have gotten better, but they're still not as extensive, though, as they are in Britain. Like, if you go into a Sainsbury's supermarket in Britain, nearly everything is own brand, and it's really high-quality stuff, and they've got, like, you know, extensive extensive own brand ranges, and they've got lots of different price points on the same product within the own brand range, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's not really as big So a we don't kick up enough of a fuss, then, you're saying? Well, like, look, what people always say is that what we need to do is vote with, vote with our feet, Um but I think that people are trying to find value. But, you know, like, what are you going to do? Like, you're going to go into one supermarket? Trapes to three or four supermarket, yeah. Yeah, because it's good, good value material. Like, well, look, I have to say, as a, like myself, when I'm doing my shopping, I don't do that. I don't go to three different supermarkets. I just go to uh, one. I'd say very so. few people do. Just very finally, most definitely finally. Are we even sure that the supermarkets are passing on those increases to the producers? 
Um, no, well, no, we, we we don't know because there isn't much transparency in that supply chain. Like, um, one of the uh, one of the points that the the, the politicians are making in, in my article was that like we're getting this new you know office for fairness and transparency, a sort of a grocery regulator. New thing that's being set up and the heads of the bill have been published. But, like, you would hope that that would bring some of that transparency, but it doesn't really look like it will. Like, they'll have some powers to look at, you know, they'll really be trying to protect farmers and fishermen and, you know, small businesses supplying into the big um, retail chains. But they, they won't really have a lot of power to kind of find out and discover new information about what's going on between the farm gate and the consumer. Yes, so I know. Maybe we it's don't really know. Area. Yeah, Valerie, thanks for taking the call. Do appreciate it. Thank you. Very interesting stats. Uh, that's Valerie Flynn from the Sunday Times. Back after 11. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show Ah yes, on a lighter note uh, I see Tripe and Dasheen reporting this morning uh, The City Council meeting last night was interesting in many different ways Uh, They had uh, a comment online saying Cork City Councillor reprimanded for his use of the word Bampot at City Council meeting tonight We were chatting about that this morning um, Where uh, we were talking about different words uh, and uh, actually Claire said to me, what does Bampot actually mean? <laughs> so you have a whole generation of people that don't know particular terms that would be very affectionately known on Leaside, Cork City. I don't know who the councillor was. Do we know who the councillor was, though, that used the term Bampot at City Council? I want to hear more words like that. In fact, I want to bring back a lot more words that we don't use anymore. And I want, you know, um, politicians to stand up and talk as they would talk in their own constituency amongst their own people. I mean, this went absolutely vital, vital last week. And I think it's fantastic. I, I just love Matty McGrath. I just really and truly do. Uh, and he stood up on the doll. You may have heard it recently. He said this. See, when the wash, when, when all the dirty linen is washed, we see when the, the clothes are hanging out the line a good summer's day like today, they'll be fairly well stained. And in the washing machine and days or whatever they call it, that they use now, I don't know, they're more to the, and I'm, I'm not saying I'm a bad um, house, homemaker now that I don't do some washing, but I'm not up to speed in, in the, the capsules that go in, the type of them that go into the washing machine. But it used to be, it used to be soft and dads when, when I was a Dino and the town call, I remember that as well. But look, we have a lot of clean uh, uh, up to do. So this bill is not fit for purpose. I want more of that. I just, I just love it. And I think Matty McGraw was wronging himself about not being a great homemaker. At least he knows that you put capsules and tablets into washing machines now, as opposed to the powdery surf and daz from way back in the day. Can you still get surf and daz, incidentally? Boxes of good old surf and daz. But, all, you know, all the words that we need to bring back, I was only thinking about it. We need, we need to bring back the word telly instead of TV or television. Everybody used to say, I'm watching the telly. Are you watching the telly? What's on the telly? Let's bring it back. Or, what's this business about going to the movies? Or the cinema, even? We used to go to the pictures. Huh? Let's get that word back into general use on Side, please. And while I'm on about it, swimming shorts, swimming trunks, whatever happened to the beautiful word togs? Where are me togs? I'm going for a bedna. Togs. Let's bring that one back. Maybe Panna. Do people use the term Panna anymore for Patrick Street? Uh, Panna. That's completely gone. Walk in Panna. See you in Panna. I was on Panna. Uh, a date. Going for a, we used to say a jag. 
of a Jag Friday night. Not the motor car, but, you know, hooking out with, uh, you know, somebody that you might fancy. So use, please, of the word. I have a Jag on Friday night. Um, gaff. Gaff's another one. My gaff, your gaff, his gaff, her gaff. We used to use the word flat. Now they call them apartments. I'm an apartment, two-bedroom apartment. is a flat back in the day. Um... Anyway, there's lots more like that, I think, that you might be able to come up with yourself. But I just got thinking about that when I heard the word bampot used in city council. More of that, please. I suppose somebody will take offence to everything these days, including being called a bampot. I don't know. Anyway, back after the break. Thank you. We've got calls on the way. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Well, the fellow that was saying online that it was absolutely disgraceful that there isn't a Chinese restaurant in Tipperary called The Walk of Cashel. And if there isn't, there probably should be. But then it got the Cork people talking about Cork versions of local Chinese restaurants. You can't beat a big feed of Chinese. But somebody was saying, yeah, we could have more on Side, like, for instance, in different areas of the city and suburbs like Dean Walk. Chinese out in Dean Walk or you could have a Chinese on the north side called Walk Nahini or somebody else was saying or over across by Montanata you could have a Chinese set up there called Lover's Walk (laughs) there's more another one out then in Murphy's Walk (laughs) there's a Chinese down in Black Rock that they should rename Black Walk (laughs) or you could have one up in Gilabi Walk or you could have a Chinese out in Friars Walk there must be something in the air. <laughs> Brings out the child in me. Anyway, text 0868104106. But with regards to, you know, the way we find ourselves, and it's kicked off this morning with a, a very impassioned conversation with uh, John Kearns and the Irish Mirror talking about um, the state of the nation. Colm's in waiting an age, and I apologise for it. Colm, good morning. Good morning, Ian. Thanks for holding. Uh, are you a native of the city and the areas you're talking about this morning? Are they close to home to you? Um, literally five minute walk. Okay, okay. So, so talk to me about change and, and change in the sense that shops just aren't opening, is it? Uh, there's no kind of traffic or no people coming up on a Sunday. So they've now just cut down for Shandon Street, just the centre to be opened. That means every other shop will be closed. You're saying, when you say shop, I mean, there's, Shandon's a very long street. It's got two sides to it with lots of businesses on them. When you say, you're saying one, one, one convenience store, is it? Yeah, just one shop will be opened. One centre? Yeah, and they used to be a chemist, but now they're shutting their doors on a Sunday. Okay, but all of the other businesses will open as they do, whatever ones are there. No, all closed. Every shop? Every shop will be closed on a Sunday yeah. besides Centra. And used they all be open on a Sunday? They, there was, a, up to two months ago, there were seven shops on the street that used to be opened on a Sunday. Selling what? Uh, yeah, I think the fish tackle shop will be opened. The, um, the key shop will be opened. There will be the... Aaron's Pharmacy will be open. But, I think you, but you'd accept that the barbers or the hairdressers or anybody doing face-to-face admin kind of businesses, they would all be closed on a Sunday anyway? Well, that's understandable. What I'm, tra- what I'm trying to say to you is... Retail. It's, it's the retail and the f- fundamentally that there's pe- no people and there's no capital going into sh- uh, Shandon Street that needs to be. There's over 75,000 square feet free uh, in Shannon Street, that are vacant. There's 
14 buildings that are vacant and and now another chemist only closed at the start of the year in Shandon Street. 75,000 square feet of vacant retail. Retail and buildings. Uh, there's at least eight to nine buildings. And that's just the ground floor. Is there nothing happening over the business either, no? No, nothing. All vacant. Okay. And, and then if you just continue your walk across Northgate Bridge onto, say, um, the North Main Street, how's that? Uh, Daybreak will open at 11 and Mr. Price, your joint will open between 10 and 12 and that's it. A lot of shops are closed on the, this is, what's it like during the week then? Absolutely jointed. Busy. Absolutely jointed, wall to wall of people up and down. So the Monday to Saturday businesses thrive. But Sunday there's no, there's no traffic, there's no uh, people coming up there, it is absolutely like a dead zone. But forgive me now, I'm trying to remain logical on this. Why is that such a bad thing when Sunday is supposed to be a day of rest? I'm not just saying that. It's just trying to, it, there's no fundamentally, people are not coming up and there's no capital being put into Shandon Street that can bring people up, bring more tourists up uh, to see Shandon, to bring the cathedral there's more f- funding needs to be put in to North Main Street and Shandon Street to bring Sundays open. Okay. Up to, and up to before COVID, there was multiple shops open on a Sunday. Okay, but let's say if I wanted to go on a day trip to Shandon, uh, ring the bells, for instance, or visit the Butter Exchange Museum and things like that on a Sunday, uh, and I wanted to get a bit of food or what have you, would I be able to? No. The nearest chemist for people in the north side from Knocknahaney down is Blackpool. Well, that's the, yeah, okay, all right. That's the chemist, um, but say for other, because you, you're referencing, for, you know, trying to get tourists or people. And a lot, of, a lot of the time we just want to get people to cross the river and go up and ring the bells and visit what's on the north side. They only opened Monday to Friday. Right. The weekend they're closed. But the week, during the week, is, is, Shandon, is Shandon Street and North Main Street in a good place or a bad place? Um, say from 12 till 4, it's jointed. But in the morning and late in the evening, it starts to die down. Yeah, yeah. But there's quite an amount of dereliction on both streets, right? Big time. Yeah, yeah. And there's, something, uh, yeah. there's a five-story, sorry, three-story, 30 apartments that are vacant, plus a massive building that is vacant. Then behind that, there's, that's the 75,000 square yards yeah, yeah. that, that are free. Then there's multiple shops, the old uh, bread maker place is closed. Then actually up the road from it, the Washington Dove Tavern, that's vacant. Across the way from that, that's vacant as well. And the, down where the old, uh, by the Blarney dentist, dentist is over 192 thousand square feet vacant. Right. A lot of that could be upstairs apartments, couldn't they? Flats. No, all vacant. No, I'm saying they could I say they could be potentially like. Oh yeah, potentially, but we need fun we need to have capital put in to the north side. But somebody owns those buildings though, Colm. There's responsibility of the person who owns the buildings. They're all up for sale. Uh, they're all up for sale. The one by the old chemist I had to close and the one on old Carol Market Road 
uh, they're all up for sale. And tell me, what's the state of play then with where, where Duns would have been on the North Main Street, that shopping mall? That would that would have done an awful lot right from Monday to Saturday. But is there Monday. an anchor tenant in there now? Because the, the there is there. It's the old. It's the uh, Pfizer injection for the COVID, and as soon as that's finished up, they're going to building apartments. Okay, but not there'll never be a Duns in there again, or a Super Value, or a Tesco. No, no, why? It's it's going to end the back of where Scott Tools is down that street. Okay, they're starting to build the apartments, and as soon as the vaccination clinic goes, they're going to be building an apartment where Duns are. OK, OK. Thanks for the update. Stay in touch. Thank you. Cheers. Not a problem. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. I just wanted to know, actually, who was the councillor on, on Leaside that last night that was reprimanded for his use of the word bampot? It was Councillor Terry Shannon, apparently. This is what I've been told. He joins me by the phone. Terry, good morning. Was that you? Neil, how are you? Good. Yeah, the bampot is here. Well, <laughs> In what context did you use that wonderful word? Well, we had a very uh, <laughs> extensive debate in relation to what the bus connects, the NTA, are trying to do. And as you know yourself, on the Douglas Road, they want to make the Douglas Road one, one way. way. Please, would you ever stop garden. that? Because I'll never be able to get but home. <laughs> you won't. That's the point. And I just said they're a shower of band pots who have never come to Cork. And who don't know what they're doing, you know, and and it just annoyed me. And I got up and I said, as far as I'm concerned, the bus connects proposal citywide. It's not just Douglas. I mean, they want to make Cathedral Road one way. Um, you know, it just should be thrown out and and come back with something better. I mean, I think they've put out this plan to see what kind of a reaction they'll get, hoping that people who have local knowledge will do the plan for them. There's been no mobility traffic mobility plan or anything for this. So the very idea that you throw notes in people's doors telling them that we possibly will take some of your garden without letting them know exactly what's happening, I think is crazy. And I said that to them on Zoom and I'll be saying it to them again when they come to Cork shortly. And you so called you context, so you called a group of individuals a group of bampots. Well I think they're bampots which and you know, who, some people And you you were uh, reprimanded for that. On what basis? No, I, I, well, I, I, I don't think I was. I think some people looked, dare I say, the younger generation of councillors looked over wondering what the hell is a band pot. <laughs> so I did have to educate a few people. The same after. thing happened to me this morning here with my gang. Yeah, I, I yeah. think Kevin may have like, known, but Claire didn't clue it. She said to me, what's a band pot? Yeah, my kids talk about their sneakers and I keep talking about the rubber dollies. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So I don't know it's a generational, but... What's it's a, a nice bampot, Terry? Well, how would you how would you define a bampot? Someone who's in in a very nice way now, in a very benevolent way, who's off his rocker. It's <laughs> putting a guy in terms thing. of making proposals. Do you know what I mean? I mean, if you look at the bus connects, it just doesn't make sense at anywhere in the city. And we all want to see buses more frequent and cycle lanes. But I mean, not every road in the city can have a cycle lane or a bus lane. And I just think this is off the wall. And so it was in that context. Because it said on um, Tripentrachine, Cork City Councillor reprimanded for his use of the word. I think the Lord Mayor might have questioned it or something. I'm not sure. Did did Deirdre Ford say something to you about it, that it was insulting? uh, She might have, no. You're rather benevolent. It was a benevolent insult. She didn't say, you can't use that term, it's abusive, kind of, no? No, 
No, and I don't think Bampot would be regarded in that. No, because McNugent texted in to say, uh, McNugent texted in to say that in the context of which he used it, it was okay for you to use it because he said, to be fair, Constable Shannon is half a Bampot himself. <laughs> well, he'd know a lot about Bampot in the, in, the, in the party, full of Bampot. I mean, from Mary Lou down to Mix, they're all a shower of Bampot in Champagne, as we know. So he'd be an authority on who is and who isn't. We, we, we want to be. I think they went to college to get a <laughs> to degree in Bampotism. Bam, in Bam Pottery. <laughs> Bam Pottery, yeah. So in fairness, Mick would know all about that. You know. <laughs> We need to protect these cork terms, don't we? Like telly and pictures and pan and Well, you do, absolutely, yeah. And togs and 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 uh, rubber dollies and <laughs> and all that kind of thing. Absolutely, because we're losing it. And the flicks. I mean, you were posh going to the pictures. We went to the flicks. That's right. <laughs> you know. So um, oh, and right. we had donkeys guns when some people had Chester cake. <laughs> donkeys wedding cake. You know? Donkey's guns, you know what I mean? So when we came out of the... We went swimming in Eglantine Pool, you know, so... Is there a plan to bring back a municipal pool? Is there a plan to bring back something well, along well, the Well, we had municipal pools in terms... No, I'm talking about the, what was out the leaf fields. Oh, yeah, well, I know there is a campaign uh, to... Uh, Lido, I think it's called. Lido. The money is fairly big. You're looking at... I don't know, did I see a figure of 10 million or something? I'm not quite sure. Um, uh, there is a proposal in, in relation to the doctor that maybe that would be a side for where you're swimming in fresh water or where you're swimming in, sorry, in salt water, I beg your pardon, in the, in the harbour, but it's, you know, it's not heated or it's not... Um, yeah, I suppose there would be some would be suggesting the 10 million could be better spent, I suppose. It's hard to know, isn't it? Well, in the, in the, in the scheme of things, you know. Okay, but, so what, um, is the pro- know, what is the proposal then that you were going on about BAM pottery? Uh, one-way traffic, more cycle lanes, is it? Well, there is a, yeah, and we've called for the extension out of the public consultation process because, like everything else, asking people to get involved in public consultation in the summer when people are away, you know, isn't good enough. But t- just tell people what they can, what they should be alarmed about that what could be coming down the Well, they should be alarmed about that, you know, people's front gardens are being taken. For, for this proposal, some some people 15 feet uh, architectural and pre- preservation ordered walls that couldn't be taken down by the residents themselves when they wanted to build houses uh, or extend their house now apparently can be knocked for this process and you know restricting people then in terms of how they will how they will travel into the city and indeed how they will travel out. So for instance Southern Road which I've said on previous occasions you know, the, the, the residents there have been discommoded with a bicycle lane and and the uh, pillars in front of them trying to get into their front doors. Now they're proposing that will be a one-way out of town. Uh, so, you know, how, for instance, if you're living, say, on the Douglas Road and you have an elderly relative in uh, St. Finbar's Hospital, how are we going to get there? Would it be one-way going out or one-way going in the Douglas Road? Just well, there'll, ex- be a, there'll be a bus lane. It'll be one way coming out of town, but there'll be a bus corridor bringing people into the city along the Douglas Road. And you, but, it, but do you not so think that instance, we need they're, they're more bus cars? Can, yeah, do you not think that we need to prioritise well, public transport? I do, I do, but I mean, you don't take a sledgehammer to it, and you don't, you know, you, you get involved with people, and you, you try to lay, lay any fears, but I'm not sure that necessarily we, we, we can... Like, we're not in an international city the size of Berlin or these are Paris. So we've got to understand that Cork evolved as a city. We weren't planned. We don't have the boulevards that even Dublin have. 
So, you know, we're not in a position just so that a bus can travel five minutes earlier yeah. or quicker yeah. that we, we turn we turn the Douglas Road into a motorway. For and it's not just Douglas, and, really. And is this going to happen in all not areas? Not at all. Yeah. I mean, well, for instance, where I'm from on the Well Road, they want to put a bicycle lane down through Douglas Hall Lawn, down in past Riverbank and out into the village. Now, that will result in a shortcut for people coming from the village up through the Well Road, up through Douglas Hollow, which is a quiet cul-de-sac. Now, that's bam potterism at its worst. <laughs> We've, We've got to get people out of, of We've got Europe. to get people out of their yeah, cars, Terry, we don't for short journeys. Half the popula- yeah, but we don't discommode half the population to do it. And we've spent hundreds of thousands of euros blocking up alleyways and walkways, and the NTA want to create another one. We have uh, 166,000 euros to spend on Our Lady of Lourdes, uh, the crossing there at the Ballinock Road. And with Bus Connect, because obviously that's very dangerous for the kids and elderly people on the Ballinock Road uh, at at the top of Bel Air. And yet this plan will bring traffic down there and down Wallace Avenue. Okay, I understand. Now, Neil, you know Wallace Avenue as well as I it's do. T- it's tight. How are you going to divert traffic who will stop at Bel Air, either go down the Cross Douglas Road to get into town, or go down Bel Air to get into town? Okay, and I, I know. With this. Okay, but what, the Lutch ju- plan, which is 30 years old, the Land Use and Transport Study, 30 years ago, identified the South Douglas Road and the Boring Manor Road as the main thoroughfares into town. I know. Because they link with the but South just tell me this But for, just tell me this before I let you go, because you have localised, you've talked about Wallace's Avenue, the Well Road, the Douglas yeah. Road. This is not just anything that's only happening in, in your patch. This is something oh, no, right across it, the city. It, absolutely. And I mean, I know again, across over to the west of the city and in Ballincollig, they want to stop cars going through the main village. Main Street in the village, over in the north side, they want to make do another bus gate on Cathedral Road, so they'll divert traffic. If I'm correct, up Spangle Hill and up along there, so yeah. you, you won't get up. So then, how do people move around? And there is no way, and they can't answer because they never did a traffic mobility study. How are people in the surrounding areas of the city, north, south, east, and west, to get into the city centre? And tell me and this: will there be chaos? When all, will there That's be chaos when all of this is happening? Well, there will, and look, that's necessary either yeah. anyway, no matter yeah. what kind of construction we do. And, and I'm not saying for a minute that we don't want better bus services and bus connects and bicycle lanes and that. But the point I make is, first of all, you don't just throw letters indoors of, of, of people's homes saying, we might be taking your garden, but you need to contact us. But has it's anybody got a letter you... saying, we want to take 15 feet of your front Oh, garden. yeah, residents all along, all over the city, residents have got letters from the NTA saying, we potentially may take some of your front oh, garden. No, wait, but you we want to, have to wait a second out. They want to take it or they want to buy it? I know they'll do a CPO. I mean, some of the some, some of the, the, the green in front of your area will, is potentially being taken. All right, so that's a compulsory purchase order. Never mind oh, about yeah, a big ah, yeah. Never mind about green areas. Just somebody's front garden. They would buy it off. Front them. gardens, yeah. Parking areas in front of businesses. Um, you know, and and what I think upset a lot of people. You know, you know, there's historic and preservation orders on on walls all over the city that could not be touched, and rightly so. But Bus Connect seems to think, and the NTA, and look, this will end up violating on board Panola, uh, that they can do all this kind of damage. Yeah. And it's not fair. And I think, in fairness for, for, for residents, they need proper consultation. There are meetings in our local area uh, in Nemo Rangers on the 27th yeah, well, and 28th uh, uh, of, of, of July. But we've asked, and my colleague Mary Rose Desmond proposed a motion last night, which was agreed, that we would extend 
the the uh, public consultation from from September into October and November. Okay. That's the first stage. Okay, well, I just wanted because to tip people to off to what was, yeah, that's what I, I wanted to tip people off to what's potentially coming down the track or coming down the road, if you'll pardon the pun. Yeah, ju- and just finally, wide, you know what I mean. Yeah, just finally before you go, I mean, I know today there's a vote of public or vote of you no know, confidence in the government. Are you at all worried as a Fianna Fáil of your uh, glorious leader Michal's future with all of these backbenchers having a secret meeting there recently? Are you 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 probably well, wouldn't tell. Well, I mean, yeah, anyway. I heard that. I mean, it wasn't very secret because everybody knew about it. <laughs> you know, and like, there are meetings all the time without the party leaders being present. I mean, I'm sure that at least you hear about Fianna Fáil meetings. You never hear about Sinn Féin meetings. I don't know, do they ever even have a meeting? <laughs> when do you ever hear about a parliamentary party meeting for Sinn Féin or any other meetings? <laughs> you know, so that's a democ- we're a democratic party. People meet all the time about various issues. And we're a democratic party where people can get up and say, Michal, we think you're making the bags of it, or whatever. And Michal is well able to answer those, those questions. We are an open democratic party, and Michal democratic, democratised Fianna Fáil. I mean, there were years and years ago when you couldn't criticise the leader, or if you did, you'd be in trouble. So look, no, no, that's, that's part of the normal process. And it was blown up because Michal was out of the country. Michal has, been, has missed quite a number of parliamentary party meetings because of his governmental uh, uh, duties. There's nothing new in that. And we have dissidents in Fianna Fáil. And listen, isn't it marvellous? We do because we have different voices. But in the end of the day, the, 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 the party has rallied behind Michal Martin. All right, let's see He's what head and shoulders above anybody in the, in the parliamentary party that I can see at present. Well, you would, you would, say, you would say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I would, but I mean, because we've seen the track record. You know, and, and, and in fairness, I mean, in the end of the day, you have to look at a politician about, in terms of what have they left on the statute. Oh, I wish I had more what time. I wish I had more time. I wish I had more you time know? with you to talk about the track record, but we'll leave that for another day. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. off you so, go. And, Appreciate and it, sir. Thank you. Much obliged, as always. All right, thanks, Neil. Councillor Terry Shannon, all that started, of course, with the word bampot, calling uh, somebody a bampot. More of those cork phrases, please, lads. Text 0868 104 106. I'm going to run out of time, guys. I really and truly am. But after the break, your opportunity to win tickets for Belinda Carlisle, who plays the Cork Opera House on Friday night. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818 104 106. Yeah, I'm going to park uh, Belinda Carlisle. I'll come back and tell you more about that a little later on. I'm just kind of backed up with a lot of calls for now. Yes, the texter says here, what about the serious assault in Fitzgerald's Park last Saturday? I am aware of that, actually. And uh, and Kevin has been chatting with the unfortunate man who was the centre of that uh, past Saturday. He says he was assaulted by five youths with golf clubs near the skateboard park. Uh, the boys got away and he did report it to the Guardian. I have an extensive report from uh, the, the man who unfortunately uh, was involved in that and I'll be coming back to it tomorrow. I hope to chat with him when I get off the air today and uh, unfortunately it's another a negative story that you don't want to be hearing about. But on a more positive note, with the good weather ahead, I started this morning asking, and now I get on to the topic of beer gardens. You know, I mean, when the weather is great, everybody wants to be outdoors. So I was trying to track down some of Cork's best beer gardens. So keep texting on those. Text 0868104106. Thank God for the app. Listening to you in St. Malo in France on the beach. Well, I hope you enjoy it. I really and truly do. Another one here, the Strand Bar in Mateja is very unique. It's by Vickerstown Cross in Blarney. Do they have a beer garden, though? The Tipsy Tent, in, is, in, is it Kaladi or Kaladi? Which is it? Probably both. The best beer garden in West Cork, apparently. And one or two more. Cork's best beer garden, you say? The Rock Bar in Cloyne. It's huge. It is a massive TV outside. Uh, a mini soccer pitch for kids. <laughs> 
mini soccer pitch for kids and an outdoor bar. There was music outside there over the weekend. It is absolutely awesome. Apparently the rock bar in Cloyne. Doesn't the castle in Glanmire have, some, Glanmire have something like that as well? Really super outdoors there. And Clancy's in Yall, another one that was texted in. So keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. We're looking for the best beer gardens. Ideally those that do food as well outdoors I suppose for everybody. The whole idea of a big um, a big TV screen is just fantastic and a mini soccer pitch for the kids that sounds fantastic so keep the text coming text 0868104106 I have passes for lots of county council uh, tourist attractions to give away in the coming weeks it's a great time to be doing it because the weather is so good uh, and with that in mind for your chance to win one of the family passes I'm asking you to share your own holiday experiences you know of your youth or whatever the case may be uh, Mick's got one for me but so does Annette Annette good morning Good morning. So one springs to mind in particular, one holiday memory, right? Oh, when I saw that post on the Facebook page, I just broke out laughing. <coughs> just memories, memories. Um, so I'm from one of, I have eight siblings, sorry, there's seven more in me. And years ago, we went down to um, a mobile home park and Dad took um, the six oldest out to play pitch and putt. I think it was Barley Cove, was it, at the time? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, glorious West Cork. And um, so, my dad had taken the oldest six of us to give <laughs> mum a bit of peace and quiet, which I heard with the youngest two in the mobile. So, anyway, um, we all got to go at playing the pitch and putt. I was about 10, I'd say. And I was quite a strong 10-year-old. So, Dad was behind me. I went to take a shot. And whatever way I did it, um, the thing went backwards and I knocked Dad out. <laughs> you took a swing with the club and your dad was yeah. behind you. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> dad was knocked out cold. Um, there was blood pouring from his mouth. He still has a scar to this day over his lip. And so my siblings were just never let me live it out. You killed Dad. You killed Dad. Obviously, I Is that what they were shouting on the day? You've killed Daddy? Yeah. Wait till mum hears about this and this. Wait till mum hears about this. Well, I mean, what was um, your reaction to it? Do you recall your reaction as a 10-year-old who just knocked her dad out with the golf club? Oh, just shock, horror. And then just seeing the blood and just my lovely dad just lying flat um, with the golf club down beside him because obviously I threw the golf club as well. You must have screamed. Everybody must have screamed. Oh, Jesus. It was just like, oh. And I've never actually lived it down once for sure. But what do you know, so he's knocked out with blood pouring from what, his mouth or his head or what? Over his lip. And what did That's you do next? Um, I think they ran to get mum to bring her up from the mobile with the two smallies like so. And how did she react to the fact that you knocked your dad out with the golf club? I think I got sent to the mobile for the rest of the day and I wasn't left out. <laughs> what? And obviously your dad came round. Oh, yeah, after about five minutes or two, we just mum cleaned him up like, and sure, a childhood, you know, <laughs> little childhood accidents, like, but sure, it was funny looking back at it, like. But what just, did he say about it? Ah, sure, petty, and you didn't mean it. <laughs> he was a very nice daddy. <laughs> yeah, he still is, he still is. <laughs> but, like, just whenever I just see, you know, that little scar over his lip, oh. <laughs> he still has the scar, does he? Yeah, of course he has, sure. It's a never... But he never actually gets stitches or anything. But there is a, still a little scar over his lip where the blood was pouring out from him. 
I mean, you, you, you never blamed your dad for standing too close to the swing, did you know? Well, I think he was like, trying to guide me or something, so... <laughs> Whatever he was doing. <laughs> I got my left and my right mixed up, I'd say. <laughs> oh, my God. Didn't knock out any teeth, did you? No, thank God, thank God. <laughs> okay, thank I don't think I'd be telling the story if I had. Well, thank you for sharing it and thank you for telling it. Stay listening, will you? Your opportunity to win one of our passes, family passes, for different Cork County Council tourist attractions, including Spike Island. you got to come on air and tell us your story. Mick, good morning. Hiya, Neil. How are things? I'm well, my man. So where were you and when was it? I tell you, it was a couple of weeks ago. It was my sister, Celine's birthday. So we decided we'd go up to Galway for a couple of days to celebrate. There was 10 of us went up all together. Her son was home from New York and his girlfriend, Alicia, and Rob, or John, her other son was home from Australia. And there was myself, her husband, my wife, and my other sister, Rita. We all headed up to Galway for two nights. So Jerry, her husband was after arranging that we go to the Iron Islands the following day on the ferry and do a tour of the island. Inishmore, Inishman, or what was it? Inishmore, Inishmore. So we had a bus bus picked us up in Inishmore and showed us around the sites and we went up and got a bowl of soup and sandwiches and whatever. Just on that, just on that, can I just ask you about that? Because I was out in Iron, I don't know, was it last summer or the summer before? Was there massive crowds getting on the ferries? Henri, I tell you now, there must have been a few thousand people there. I never saw the like of it. I never saw oh, the like was, of the amount of It was of incredible. And, the, and sorry, you know, the amount of buses and pony and traps and bicycles. It was like the evacuation of Saigon. Uh, it was unreal. It was, un- it was like that and a weird that experience as well. I mean, I've never but we saw got up, and, you know, yeah. We oh. got up and when we got off the ferry... Your man said, look, be back at three o'clock, Sharpie, because we were going over to see the, uh, the Tiffs of Moher, you know, on the ferry. Make a long story short, and you know, we went around the Arden Islands and came back. We've been in at a few points and back on the ferry for three o'clock. So when we got back on the ferry, we were all on the top deck and I fell asleep. So I only fell asleep for about 20 minutes. Either. But when I woke up, I had to go to the, the loo. And there's three toilets on board the ferry and they're all below the upper deck. So I went down to the down to the tile and there was a queue for the toilet. There was fourteen or fifteen waiting. There's three toilets on it. But by the time I got in anyway, another twenty minutes must have elapsed by the time I got and when they came out I heard all this commotion and I was like, Jesus, what's the noise, like first noise and seats right at the back of the ferry. So I, I walk back on the same deck that the, the loser on, and here's an Irish Coast Guard helicopter, and it's hovering over the the ferry, you know. What? So yeah, and I tell you now, Neil, to look at these, they're big when they're about twenty feet away from you. They're huge. So, yeah, they're huge. They're huge. So everyone was looking at this, and we were saying, "Geez, what's happening here?" Like, next the door opened, and the winchman comes out onto the open door helicopter and threw down a rope so one of the crew members on the ferry caught it. Next he came down the rope onto the ferry so he said, he said Jesus, there must be someone on board after getting a turn or something. Or someone fell but, overboard. Yes, or someone fell or something like that. But unknowns to me, my gang were up, up on the upper deck. I was on the lower deck watching this. They thought it was me. 
And there was Rita, I have a sister, Rita in Orsonshire. Jesus, Mick was very red looking there. I hope he didn't have a heart attack. <laughs> Jerry, the brother, thought I was out of falling down the stairs. And Celine says, Christ, I hope he's not out of falling overboard. <laughs> this is all going through our minds. Eh? Next, the stretcher comes on and to the sort of, Jesus Christ, he's dead, he's dead. What is so they started rolling, trying to you'd see they were texting me and ringing me, but with the noise of the helicopter, I never heard the phone going off. I was engrossed looking at this thing, right? Make a long story short, and you Please don't. I'm enjoying every minute of it. <laughs> yeah, the stretcher went back on, the stretcher went back onto the helicopter with no one in it. Next year, man, he went back up. We were all waving at him and... But we found out after it was only an exercise, a manoeuvre they do nearly once a week, you know. <laughs> it was so there a was an hour gone out from the time I went to the loo to the, all this drama. Like. What was it like when you went back up to your pals then, the family on the top deck? <laughs> I tell you now, they started cheering. My two sisters were roaring crying. <laughs> he's alive, he's alive, a lot of it traumatic, like. But I tell you, all the they were fully yanks. They all started shouting, Mickey! Mickey, he's alive. God, he's alive. But I, I was embarrassed by all of this. I was embarrassed by all the drama. You only went to the jacks. I only went to the jacks. But we were saying that I had to be like the father Ted Could you imagine if I got stuck in the toilet and they had to take the toilet and be up into the helicopter? We were just having a bit of a crack about it, you know? But that's the story of me and the Arden Islands, and you know, we had a great old day. And so... <laughs> That's my holiday experience. <laughs> oh, my God. You have a great way of telling the story. Is it Mick Malamphy, is it? Yeah, Mick Malamphy. That's, that's a, right. That's a great name. Where are the Malamphys from? Well, Malamphys are from Ireland. They're, they're from, they say, that it came from Spain originally. But there's a lot of us in Ireland, you know, and an awful lot of us in Cork and Tipperary. Well, we're grateful for Malamphys mm. if they can tell stories like that. Fair play to no you. Problem, no problem, no problem. Take care. I see you. Good luck, good luck. Stay in touch. Come good back good. with more stories, would you please? I love them. Kate, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm well. Now, we have these family passes to give away for the likes of Michael Collins House, Spike, Camden, oh, Fort yeah. Mars, Skibbereen. Have you ever been to Skibbereen Heritage Centre, which looks back at the famine era in Ireland? It's I've never been there. No. Oh, I've my God. Myself, so we've done Spike. So, no, that would be lovely. There are some fantastic locations in uh, in County Cork that people should be visiting. Oh, anyway, okay. your own story. Go ahead, just before I run out of time. Well, I suppose it's kind of a funny one, really. Um, we are family six. So, as kids, we were never really brought abroad with our parents. They used to go off for two weeks themselves and leave uh, us behind. Did they really? And, Why uh, was that, I wonder? <laughs> I don't know, because they couldn't afford to bring us, I suppose. <laughs> and uh, in the day, the, the mothers used to stay at home. So it was kind of a break for Mammy. Um, my sister, it's a great story that Mammy went to the toilet one day and came back two weeks later. <laughs> Did she say, I'm only going to the loo? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to the loo and she came back two weeks later. Uh, <laughs> with a, so with a suntan. <laughs> yeah, but then being the youngest, they felt a bit guilty as the others grew up. They couldn't just leave one behind. So off we used to go. Eventually, I had a lovely grand aunt who was a nun, Auntie Enda. So we used to go down to Chile, especially around the time of the Rose of Chile. Um, and I used to stay with the nuns, they had a house, they were, they were retired at this stage and they lived in the house. I used to stay with them and my parents then used to book into the B&B down the road to play with themselves. <laughs> Your <laughs> parents okay. had their heads screwed on the right way, didn't they? <laughs> I, I, I'm certain to think so, yeah. Yeah, I know they did. Yeah, anyway. we were that these days. 
Yeah, go on, go on. Yeah, son of you, have great crack, honestly. I'm sure I was only delighted with myself because I wasn't used to going anywhere. And uh, I remember one particular morning I was left to have a lie-in because the nuns had to go to mass. And off they left, locked me in the house. There, was, there wasn't a window or a door open. So I was stuck in the house for an hour and a half. Sorry, I missed that. The line just broke up on me there. So you're down below with the nuns and your gran and your aunt and all that. And uh, what happened? Yeah, and one particular morning I was left to have a lie-in. Yeah. They all had to go to mass. And off they went, but little did I realise they'd locked me into the house for an hour and a half. There wasn't a window or a door open. <laughs> and how long was it <laughs> before? Great memories, though, and you know what? Great memories. But did you panic? For, did you panic because of that? No, sure, I thought sure I was, you know, I was just saying, this is a bit weird. Was there much to do down in Tralee? Was there much to do in Tralee as a child at the time? I would see at the time, like, the, it would have been around the time there was a Tralee, so there used to be a bit of a buzz around the place, and... We'd always do something. You'd always find something to do. And we had a car. So we could, you know, go down to Dingle. Would you have rocked over to Bally Bunyan, for instance? No, never. No, I didn't go to Bally Bunyan. Oh, my God. That's a lost opportunity for a child. Bally Bunyan was just a haven for kids. Still is, actually. Um, And do you know what? I have kids of my own now, so it's something that we must must do. To do a bit more travelling around, but I suppose it's the first special these days. We won't be doing much of that. I know, I know. And would you? You wouldn't have seen your your mum and dad in the B and D. Would you see them at all? I'd see them during the day, like, but they they'd be quick. You know, we come tea time. They're like, right, love, we're off. We'll see you in the morning. Like, that's the story for me, really. Okay, you got locked in for a couple of hours, but the real story for me is that your folks were crabbing enough to know, okay, well, you know, we can get some time away from the kids. Oh, absolutely. Brad brought me down to the nuns and after went off and says, woke up and make me be in yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Thanks for sharing, Kate. Cheers to you. Thanks to Mick. Thanks to Annette. Anybody that's got a story to share with regards to holiday memories, feel free to get in touch. You can text 0868104106. You can email neil at redfm.ie. We have the Yall Clock Gate Tower as well, and the St. Mary's Church in Yall, which is absolutely incredible. I mean, the history in that church goes back. I would imagine at this stage a thousand years. It's just an awesome experience. Michael Collins' house, superb. Spike Island, I can't say enough about because they've even pumped an awful lot more money into it now and developed it even more since I was down there last, and that was three or four years ago. Camden Fort Mar, if you've never been there, down into the tunnels and under into the fort is an amazing experience. You know, there was a munitions factory down there as well where they made and stored all of the gunpowder. It's really worth it. Skibbereen Heritage Centre is just... I mean, it's just, it's very sad, but it also needs to be seen. Um, you know, the Famine Museum down there. And also you can go from the Famine Museum at the Skibbereen Heritage Centre to actually visit the Famine Graveyards of Skibbereen. You know, the weeks ahead, great opportunities to get out there with the weather being good. So tell us of your memorable staycation stories. That, they don't necessarily have to be staycation. They could be overseas stories as well. Share them on air. Text 0868104106. Email neil at redfm.ie. We'll pick it up in the morning. My apologies to everybody I didn't get to today. We'll do it tomorrow. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.